What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. This is episode 37. We are recording on June 17th, 2020. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I am your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. And you know what? The <laughs> the reunion was pretty short. Jesse's not here today because he got a little bit busy, but that's okay. He'll be back next week, hopefully. But on this episode, we have a pretty good episode. We got a lot of different topics. It's a little bit of a follow-up episode to our Black Lives Matter uh, one, which was episode 35, I want to say. Check that out if you haven't yet. It's super informative, super important. But uh, yeah, so it's basically a follow-up episode. We're going to talk a lot of, uh, well, basically two athletes and the topics relating to those so let's start with the first one colin kaepernick there's been a lot of buzz going around obviously with this whole movement about whether colin kaepernick will get a job or not look we could both agree that he was done dirty by the nfl right yes absolutely and you know the the guiltiness comes with them settling with kaepernick outside of court for being blackballed and you know damages and financial reparations essentially yeah no absolutely because i've heard a lot of people say that you know he settled for the money and all that but you know he's somebody who who does a lot for the african-american community for people of color you know those communities and you know i mean that's not free you know <laughs> like helping out those communities that's not something that's cheap either to make a real difference, to make a pretty impactful difference, you need money. You know? And for him, in the NFL, that's a job, that's cash, that's money. Settling this lawsuit, you know, is that one step closer to, you know, getting hired by the NFL or by an NFL team, per se. And so let's 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 go back in time a little bit. Let's go back in time. So we talked about this before. In case, you know, y'all didn't hear that podcast, which was months ago, about the alleged, well, it wasn't alleged, it was a work, workout, in quotation marks, that the NFL had. I was not, it wasn't a great, should I say this, it wasn't a great set of circumstances, you know, like they wouldn't allow media, which basically meant that the people that the team sent there would have all the power in the world to either say he did well or say he did bad no matter how well he played because who like how are you going to dispute a scout you know if there's no video evidence because the the answer is you can't so that that was kind of a red flag also it was on a saturday so most teams were traveling and obviously most workouts are on tuesdays i want to believe so already it's not like most teams are sending guys who are like serious about it i was gonna say you could say that the nfl was showing systematic racism Absolutely. And specifically targeting Kaepernick and putting him in a really rough spot with all of the rules and guidelines they put on his workout, which normally wouldn't have happened. Yes, no, absolutely. They have not done this to anybody else in the history of the NFL ever. So that should say a lot because last year was the 100th year anniversary, you know? Yeah. Oh. Anyways, that's how that went down. Uh, people said he blew it because he didn't take the he didn't take the hand that the nfl was offering to him to help him out which is you know i not not really much help he showed that everyone knows that he could ball and you know 
he ended up doing his own independent workout, which he filmed himself. He sent to all the teams, basically did the NFL's job for them, you know, while allowing other people to objectively observe him as well and see like, hey, is this guy good or is he bad? And look, honestly, he looked pretty polished. If I'm being honest, you know, he's had what he last played the 2016 season. Is that right? I believe it was somewhere around there, maybe 2017, but it, it's been a while has been a while and yes it was the 2016 2015 2016 season okay look it's been four years it will be four years you know uh, assuming he plays this season which may or may not happen but you know we're, we're gonna hope that it does happen and there's plenty of time for you know things to turn out positively despite some really big concerns as of right now as of today june 17th if i'm being honest and yeah so played since 2016 wait simon this this episode is going to be posted on friday yeah happy juneteenth from the past it would be juneteenth hey so this is perfect there you go didn't yeah. I didn't even think about that until now, which is part of the problem. But anyways, it is back. It should Africa. be a national holiday. It should be because that's right. when uh, it should be the real Independence Day, to be honest. Facts. But and and I was just going to say, building off of what you said, where people were like, oh, they didn't take the hand that the NFL reached out to. him. Well, that hand had like barbed wire and like a grenade on it basically so like yeah. it, it wasn't really a hand so much as it was like a fake out it was kind of like scar in the lion king spoiler <laughs> alert um he just pushes him off the cliff so that's kind of what yeah. the nfl did to cap no cap yeah no you're absolutely right it really wasn't much of a help like they were trying to set him up either way you know being honest they if he didn't comply to literally every single thing that they put on him, and I'm sure there are other terms to that agreement, and you know they had all the power in the world to blackball him. That's it. And they did. Yeah, they still did. You know, and we all saw the film. He looks good. The arm looks powerful. It's accurate. Timing, like it's not even that big of a deal, which I thought it would be, but it's not. You know, he looked pretty solid out there. Like. I mean, it's not like the longest workout video either, you know. Have you seen it, Cody? Yeah, I did. Okay. So what what do you think about it? I think he definitely looks better than half of the backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And honestly, it's just a matter of price. I mean, dude, the Seahawks back right now is Anthony Gordon. Yes. The Rams backup is John Wolford. I've never even heard of him. Hey, it's not Blake Bortles? I don't think it is anymore. Bortles. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Like, there's, I, I'd say he'd easily be like, you know, like a Robert Griffin the third tier at least, but he looks better than Robert Griffin because he just doesn't, he doesn't look scared, you know? Yeah. And he's accomplished more than most of these backup quarterbacks have. I mean, He's been to a Super Bowl, and that was on a full season, right? And, and no, it wasn't like on a full treated... season. Took over oh, wait, basically right. halfway through, yeah, which is still a lot. That's still a lot to do. And well, here's the thing, right? Let, let me put it this way for comparison. 
Kaepernick did basically the same amount that Nick Foles did, other than win the Super Bowl, which he came back and rallied with that Niners team after a huge deficit, right? Yeah. And Nick Foles has a job in Chicago, starting quarterback job, probably. And Kaepernick doesn't even have a backup job in the NFL. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And look, here's, here's the thing about Cap. You know, a lot of people want to talk about the Super Bowl and a lot of people with very short, short-term memories say, oh, you know, he was a one-hit wonder. Once the NFL figured him out, he didn't do well. But that really doesn't say a lot because the next season, he was a full-time starter for all 16 games and won 12 and 4. Also, I'm pretty sure that's the year he whooped Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field. If I and like outdueled him, there wasn't any doubt. Like he outdueled him through the air and through, you know, through the ground as well. And yeah, and I shoot, I'm trying to remember what happened. Was it? I think they lost to the Seahawks. Hey, yeah, yeah they Pretty lost sure. to the Seahawks in the NFC Championship, and the Seahawks went on to win the Super Bowl or something. But anyways, you know that was a good Seahawks team, and those were good NFC teams. And, you know, Kaepernick performed, and he performed well. And I, I'd even say that, you know, Kaepernick is a direct reflection, not only because of his activism, but just the short leash that African-American quarterbacks have in the NFL who run the ball. I mean, Cam Newton also doesn't have a job, right? And why is that? You know, some people may say it's, you know, they're worried about injuries, but... We've seen him throwing too. He could throw it down the field, right? And we've we've seen it happen with all kinds of quarterbacks. I'd say the only one who got like elongated chance was probably Michael Vick. But I was, was going to say RG three even. Uh, I'd say a little bit, but he he was definitely he's definitely like not the same player because of his uh, knees. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he still gets chances, though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, and and so like even on the short leash that these quarterbacks have, they still have a job. You know, Michael Vick still had a job. I'm pretty sure he ended up finishing his career with the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah. and and I think he even won a game, or he was really close to winning a game if somebody didn't drop a ball. But no, he did. W- wait for the Steelers. Yeah, and no, he won a game for us. Yeah, so like, and and he wasn't Michael Vick anymore when he won that game, you oh, know. No. And and he had, you know, I'd say more troubling past and relationship with the league than Kaepernick did, because Kaepernick was just showing political activism. But because the NFL didn't agree with it, he does not have a job. Exactly, and it wasn't just them disagreeing; it was them like hardcore disagreeing you know what i mean like so bad that like they really didn't want this dude to get a job for real because there are multiple teams not like there are multiple teams that came out and the way they said that they like offered kaepernick a job or whatnot kind of painted him as a bad guy like here i'm, I'm sorry cody because i know your broncos have already been through a lot but i definitely remember john elway saying at one point that they offered kaepernick a job this was years before like the situation around that was that Kaepernick was still under contract with the Niners and it was a trade, not a free agent signing. So 
you know, there, there and, you go. And we were asking him to cut his salary in half, basically. Yes. Yeah. And and we were he asking was. him to do that when we had Trevor Simeon on the roster. Much respect to Sims, but like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bro, I'm just saying, you know, y'all might have had a... If y'all did get Kaepernick, y'all would have had a couple more years to the playoffs. Maybe one, at least. Well, it's okay, because we're going to be back this year. But... Yeah, we from, can talk from, about that later. From like a morally correct standpoint, it was it was foul, though. Um, no doubt, no doubt about it. So yeah. Anyways, I believe that he deserves a job. The question, and I think you believe that as well. But the real question is whether he will get a job. So let's let's just well, put it out there. Well, I was gonna say, wh- whether he will get a job is one thing. But what I was going to ask you, knowing that we both Fort. agree he deserves a job, is where should he go? Because we've heard some things, I'd say in the past month, more than we have in the past few years, honestly, about him potentially going to the Seahawks. I know Pete Carroll is interested, as well as the Chargers. Because Anthony Lynn was either quoted today or yesterday as saying that Cap would be a, quote, perfect fit for their system, end quote. Yeah, so Chargers actually added him to their emergency workout list. So, you know, if Tyrod Taylor or whoever gets hurt, then they bring in Cap and you know how it goes. Like, he's he's a backup. So that's that's an official thing, but that's not, like, saying a lot either, you know? There'd um, have to be a lot to go wrong for him to even show up on game day in that case. Yeah, because I know Chargers have a couple guys that already fit their system. You know, they have so Tyrod Taylor fits their system pretty well just because I mean, there he got to sit behind Philip Rivers, so he's he's the guy who's going to get the job. Then they drafted Justin Herbert, which I mean, we all know how we feel about him. Um, but you know, he's a rookie, so you kind of just got to give him a chance whether he fails or not. Or whatever and then they do have a guy named easton stick from north dakota state and i'm not gonna lie i've watched easton stick play football like not just college football but like as well as a preseason football and i've done an analysis on it he's kind of he's kind of raw like he's like a he's like <laughs> here I'm, I'm gonna be careful with this but he's like a he's a lot like tyrod taylor but white basically draw though but he has talent and low-key he could be even better than justin herbert i'm just throwing that out there so all these guys are pretty young i mean tyrod taylor's the exception he's over 30 but you still got two guys behind uh you know tyrod so i don't think that's a very realistic situation at all it's just one of those things like and i know what anthony lynn is doing you know and i appreciate it it's just if we're talking football like straight football wise i just don't think that's something that 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 could happen unless all i don't know unless their top two quarterbacks get hurt for some reason well i mean think? i i feel like he's creating you know like a demand for him a little bit and you know i feel like anthony lynn feels personally responsible for trying to fix this racial problem in the nfl being a person of color one of the few who is a coach of a team which, That's, you know, it, it puts him in a tough spot because you still have to coach a football team and win football games. But there's just not many other people who are doing it. 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And hey, look here, I'm I'm just going. I didn't answer your question, so I'll answer it real quick. I honestly think that Kaepernick should go to whichever team offers him a fair deal. As in, like, not like, hey, you know, you should be a practice squad player and we're, we have no intent of bringing you up. You know, like, not one of those deals, but, like, you know, a fair deal where he could compete, get some preseason snaps, and realistically, you know, well, I mean, there might not even be a preseason. Well, no, wait, sorry, there will be a preseason. It will just be shorter. But, but still, though, get some preseason snaps. I'll get his uh, film, like, legit film out there and we'll see what happens. I was gonna say, if you're a GM, how much do you pay Kaepernick a year? I'd, I'd, I'd probably give him a minimum. Like this doesn't sound good. I am a person of color. I'm just throwing this out there, and I've been a Cap supporter forever. Would give him like football-wise. This is what we're talking about. Football. I'd give him a minimum salary, one-year deal, prove it deal. You know, straight up, like just a prove it deal. Like show me that you could put in the work in practice and you know you're not completely washed because it's one thing you know throwing against air it's another thing getting in game getting readjusted to the nfl and whatnot and i i think he can do it I've, he's always kind of been a hard worker you know he's healthy finally because a lot of people want love they love 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 to forget this but 2015 and 2016 he was dealing with a lot of injury issues and it wasn't because he was protesting it was injury issues you could look it up you know, that's a medical database that it doesn't lie. Why would they lie? If you think it lies, you're probably the same type of person that thinks COVID-19 isn't real either. So there, there you go. Anyways, a lot of injury issues. Went through two, actually from 2014 to 2016, he went through three different head coaches. Obviously in 2014, it was Jim Harbaugh, but that team was super injured like all around him like his line was hurt all the time the defense was like hurt most of the time you know frank gore was in and out michael crabtree and vernon davis had their issues by then so you know like that wasn't a great situation and that's why harbaugh got fired which they shouldn't have done and in 2015 they hired jim tom sula um i really didn't know that he was in the nfl still so I found out that he was the defensive line coach for the Washington Redskins the last couple years since getting fired. That should say all you need to know. And he just got hired by the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, so, there you go. That's not saying a lot either. And then in 2016, it's Chip Kelly, who obviously isn't even in the NFL anymore. So he didn't have great coaching. Oh, but he's fresh. That's that's something we could rely on. His film, you know, from his workout, it didn't look like trash. So realistically, all that's all that's left is like, you know, we need to see this guy play against other competition in the year 2020 during the 2020-2021 season. And that's it. Oh, you know, because he's healthy. I mean, there's he never really had like, you know, attitude issues ever. And well, attitude issues that, you know, actually mattered. And yeah, so at this point it's just, you know, we gotta see. What happens he needs a chance to compete not you know just uh or should i say this like a market deal chance but an actual chance what do you think uh i think that a one-year deal would be fine um okay. i think that he would end up on the higher end of paid backup quarterbacks i could see him getting like uh like a five million dollar deal like oh. and i'm and i'm saying from kaepernick's camp right 
Like, I don't yeah. feel like Cap comes back into the NFL unless he's making a couple million. But the thing that puts him in a really tough spot is how little Jameis Winston is getting paid as a backup quarterback. And he's been yeah. in the league for a few years. And, you know, Jameis Winston throws a lot of interceptions, but he also throws for a lot of yards and touchdowns too, right? So, like, he had a big breadth of work. I mean, he was Tampa's starter for the past four years, right? Basically, the entire time Cap has been gone, and he barely got a job too. So, like, I don't know what exactly is the deal with the quarterback market right now and what backups are looking to make and what their agents are trying to do. But I feel like that's going to play a lot into it. And I just don't see Cap signing anywhere for less than $5 million on a one-year deal. Okay. That's, that's kind of a lot. But, I mean, I, I kind of agree. Like, what about, like, a one-year, $2 million deal? How about that? I don't think he would accept it. Not at all? Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, well, let, let's get down to the main question then. Do you think he will get signed or he will sign with a team this upcoming season? I'm going to say yes, but I don't think it's going to mean anything. And I'm going to explain on that because I feel like with... So a lot of people think that this BLM movement is like disappearing and they're wrong. There's still protests every day across this country and reform continues to happen because it needs to. And there's still some people that need to be brought to justice and held accountable for their actions. So the NFL... They've already dipped in on it because of PR, right? They already, you know, Roger Goodell said, yeah, Kaepernick should have a job. And then, like, under his breath was like, if he's healthy, right? And, you know, the the NFL teams participated in Blackout Tuesday. And I could see, basically, in terms of what the owners are looking at, I could see them meeting up and making one team, quote, bite the bullet end quote and that's that's not my words i just feel like that's going to be their stance on it so i feel like one nfl team i don't know who it may be somebody really surprising or it may be you know like like a fit to the seahawks makes like the most sense to me just because if russell wilson were to get hurt i feel like cap would be a great backup for him you know like the seahawks run a really diverse run heavy offense so you know they wouldn't be asking him to do what Russell Wilson does, right? So I feel like that'd be a good fit. But I could also see it being a team where the NFL is like, all right, uh, you need to sign Kaepernick so that the rest of us look good. And if you just put him, and you know, and that's why he's going to end up getting a one-year deal that's like a, quote, prove-it deal. He's not going to have a chance to prove it because he's going to get signed to some team that doesn't, that their starting quarterback is going to be in all year. And he's not even going to get a chance. And then they're going to try and sweep it under the rug. That's my prediction. That's what I see in my crystal ball right now. That's yeah. No, I, I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, well, I mean, we don't like it, but no, I mean, like, I like it as a prediction. I mean, okay. Okay. Like a realistic prediction. Cause the NFL is, it's not like it's totally different now that Roger Goodell came out and whatnot. Cause it's not. No, that's not how racism works or systematic race. Yeah, I can't believe Roger Goodell ended systematic racism, bro. <laughs> oh, definitely not. And I think that's a pretty realistic scenario. Like, it's not one that I would like, but 
you know, like right now he's 33. Kaepernick is 33. So he's one year older than Cam Newton, which is kind of crazy. But with you know, obviously one year older with four years of rest. So like I said, it's just a prove it deal, you know, like it comes down to a team not caring about you know the politics because there are politics that he brings as he rightfully should and you know just caring about football and you know getting into it because i mean i don't know like that's I, I know it's nfl culture to care about all that and like this is something they use a lot like they always say like oh well this nfl team doesn't want the player in its circus show like why do nfl teams say that why do people say that all the time like that makes no bro makes that's no how sense. tebow got blackballed from the league exactly Tebow still got more chances than Kaepernick, but he was a Christian. He still got blackballed. I'm just yeah, saying, you know, like you can't weird. win. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I don't know if Kaepernick will get a fair shake. I don't think he will. If I'm being honest, I think it will be one of those things where, you know, like you said, the NFL does put pressure on a team. I could definitely see the New England Patriots being that team because then they'll be like, oh, well, you know, like if he fails under Belichick, then he doesn't work with anybody else. Hey, hey quote That's that what, right that now. That was Tebow's last spot. That was exactly. Tebow's last spot. Exactly. History is going to repeat themselves. As of, hey, as of June 17th, or okay, as of June 19th, Juneteenth, 2020, I'm predicting that the NFL is going to make the Patriots pick on Kaepernick Kaepernick is going to get at least one, you know, game to play, whether it's preseason or regular, whatever. He's probably not going to do as well as he could because Patriots playbook is insanely like complex more than any other you know, uh, playbook. And when he gets cut or released or whatever, well, the you know who you are. People are going to be like, oh, well, see, Kaepernick didn't work out. So he was always a scrub. Like, it wasn't because the NFL was racist. It was because he was a scrub. Like, no, that's this is what's going to happen. And I'm telling you right now before it does happen, because I, I think that's something that will. Dude, I, I could even see, like, the Patriots, like, have Jared Stidham beat him out in training camp before oh. it, like, even starts. They're like, oh, oh, he's behind Jared Stidham. And then... Stidham would go out and throw like 10 picks in six games and they just still <laughs> wouldn't start cap. Like I could see that happening. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that's a shame. And look, I'm like trying to think of all the teams that would realistically give him a good shot. And I mean, I don't know what this says about me, but I'm thinking of teams specifically that have African-American head coaches. Or, uh, sorry, not just that. I mean, Ron Rivera, too. So, pe people of color, uh, POC coaches. And I'm not going to lie. It's not looking great because most of those squads already have committed quarterbacks that they picked up. You know what I'm saying? And even, like, backup options, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, sorry. So, quarterback rooms that are pretty solidified at this point. Oh, I mean, if you want to go through them, like we can, because the Steelers—that's one I know pretty well. If they're going to commit to Mason Rudolph and Duck and you know Big Ben, then there's probably no room for cap, and that's just how it is football-wise. Because if there was room for a quarterback, we would have drafted one. And we also have JT down... Barrett. Sheesh! I didn't even know you guys had JT Barrett. Yeah, JT I... Barrett's chilling on our practice squad right now. And I was going to say, if you fly on down to Miami. They have Tua, who they don't want to start yet. And I think Fitz is going to start the season, isn't he? Uh, there's been... 
um, there's been some conflicting, you know, reports. Like Tua could start, and Fitz could start as well. But they're probably and, going and with isn't Fitz. Josh Rosen there too? Yeah, Rosen hasn't been traded yet. So Cut. that quarterback room is also pretty full of yeah. guys that the Dolphins specifically went out and got. You know. Yeah. Like, so you have that. You already talked about the Chargers. If we go to Washington, they have Dwayne Haskins and oh, McCoy. Yeah, they and, have McCoy, uh, who's been a backup in the league forever. Uh, and Alex Smith is technically still on the roster. E. Yeah, he so, is. Yeah. Um. Oh, and Case Keenum. Oh, that's who it is. Oh, I tried to repress that name. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow, that's that's already it. Yeah, and he wouldn't have fit any of their systems either. Just so you know. No, he he wouldn't. And then he'd be, oh. gosh, people people always call someone a system quarterback when it's convenient for them, and then when they don't like a quarterback, they use they like say that it's a system quarterback in the bad way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Yeah. Facts. No, that's facts. And here, what about the teams where he would fit the system? Let's. How, how about the Ravens? Because that's also a team that might pick him up. But we already. Well, they have, have RG three. They do have Trace McSorley, who played actually really well in the preseason last year. Yeah, um, I know that you and Jesse were pretty high on him. Yeah, which was it was surprising. I'm not gonna lie, it was surprising. So that's. I mean, I guess they could bring him on if like they didn't believe in trace mcsorley like that but i i mean i don't know i felt like he played pretty well football wise to um, he's he's gonna have a roster spot or a practice they, squad spot. they also have a ton of money on that team too uh, like yes. just in general I, I, like i yes. said i really think that the seahawks is a great fit for him you okay. know i feel like pete carroll has already expressed interest and i think that he's the perfect backup to russell wilson i mean is that is that it? I mean, there are other teams that he would well, fit with. Well, I think he would fit with uh, the Houston Texans. Yeah, I could see. I could see him playing in Houston. Well, yeah. I don't know. Bill O'Brien's an idiot, so like. <laughs> I mean, it's. I, mean, I feel like Kaepernick's game is pretty close to Deshaun Watson's game, except Cap could run a little bit better, and he's not as injury prone. Yeah. So I mean, they could definitely do that. And I mean, who's their backup? I don't know. Exactly. So, I was going to say, he could also go to, you know, as far as a team that wants to run the ball more, he could be a backup in Cleveland, honestly. Oof. Because I'm pretty sure they want to run the ball out of I-form more, and that's what he did a lot in San Fran as well, with a lot of play action, so. He could, honestly, if I'm being honest, most quarterbacks could succeed in Cleveland with what they've set up. They have a solid setup right now. Yeah. Regardless so, of, you know, uh, system. Yeah. Yeah, just because of the talent that's there. So yeah. there's there's plenty of options, but we'll see where he ends up, honestly. For sure. Here, I'm just going to throw this team out there. I think he'd be a good fit on the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I feel like he would mentor Kyler Murray pretty well. You know, I think that's something that... I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like... Are, you know, once a rookie quarterback has a really good, like, 
rookie or you know a solid enough rookie season like a kyler murray a daniel jones even some teams forget to like get a mentor for them <laughs> could stay in the locker room because daniel jones doesn't have a mentor outside of his new coaching staff kyler murray i mean unless you want to consider brett hunley but i'm pretty sure he's not even on the squad anymore so there you go but i would think the arizona cardinals would be open to having kaepernick on the squad and i mean hey like it would be a good i think it'd be kind of a dope storyline to see in in i don't hope this on kyla murray i'm knocking on wood uh, if he does get hurt you know app comes in and he he wins for the cardinals something that he couldn't do for the 49ers because frankly they kind of failed him if, in, if honest I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a better receiver than he ever had in San Fran. X. I mean, and it's a good system, you know, like it's a spread system. Like a lot, there's going to be somebody open pretty much all the time. Oh, so, we'll just have to see. Be really is well. There, is there anything else you wanted to add on? No, I think that does it for my Kaepernick predictions. He deserves a job and he deserves a real chance. I don't know if he'll get it either. That's basically the summary of it. Even admit amidst this new climate, like he might get a job, but it's not a real chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think, I mean, I'm biased because it's my scenario, but I think my scenario is going to happen. So we'll, we'll just have to see. We will. And don't, don't worry. I've been thinking about a, coming up with a segment where we reflect on our takes. So yeah, <laughs> I'll remember this one. Yeah, for sure. And if nothing happens, then we would still be right. So there you go. Anyways. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to go to break. But coming up next, we are finally going to do our Last Dance reactions. In Last Dance, the documentary. Coming up next. Welcome back to the Cycle 365. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer, and today we've been trying to do this for a month now. I want to say like a month uh. now. Uh, we are finally reacting to the Last Dance. Yeah, I think I think we've been doing this for about a month. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, and we finished this like a month ago too. So yeah, we we've been done. We've been wanting to react to this, and we're finally getting around to it. Finally, finally, because we were having some fun in between, so ain't no thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's here, so let's do it. So, for those who don't know, if you were literally under a rock, uh, The Last Dance was a 10-episode ESPN documentary about Michael Jordan and the 97-98 Bulls as well as his career. So, you know, episode one was pretty basic introduction of who Jordan was and basically that he just like, instead of like his brothers just like bullied him <laughs> until he was like a college athlete is basically what I took away from that. And then, and then the Bulls were a complete mess and, and if you didn't watch the documentary, it would jump back and forth. So it starts with them having just come off of their 96-97 finals run. 
and heading into 97, 98. And Jerry Krause is the biggest villain in the world. That was like basically the setting that they just throw you into. So, yeah. Go um, ahead. <laughs> so we, okay. Cody's more of a Michael Jordan fan than I am. Like, I'm sure there are some episodes where I, I didn't edit it out. You know, I'm definitely way more of a LeBron fan, and I joke about it a lot, but I'm also not joking at the same time. There you go. But this whole, I'm just going to preface, like, before we get into all of this, this whole documentary was, it, it was extremely biased, obviously, because it was Michael Jordan's, no, no, sorry, no, it wasn't. It was just a crew following the 97, 98 Bulls, right? But it was Michael Jordan's squad, obviously, and Michael Jordan was the star, and everything was very it was all mj centric and i think there's nothing wrong with it you no know? because you could tell you could definitely tell and i'm not gonna lie that first episode like i know that you could tell they're painting jerry kraus as the villain but i definitely felt bad to a little bit don't get me wrong though he ruined a good thing a really good thing and they probably should have competed until they got eliminated like i think uh, they had to they had to have one for one more ring but we'll get that was a little complicated so we'll get into that later but definitely felt bad for jerry kraus in that first step so just because you know mj was kind of well, like on. i was just gonna say it's like it's kind of foul because jerry's not around to defend himself exactly yeah like he, he's straight up he is deceased jerry kraus is deceased and yeah, yeah we'll talk about it a bit more when we're summarizing the whole thing is just Jordan would just clown on Krause all the time. But in this first episode, Krause told Phil Jackson, even if you go 82 and 0, you're not getting your job back. So he was yeah. he wasn't correct. No, no, he wasn't. That I mean that was a personal vendetta. You know, and everyone could tell. You know, every you didn't need inside cameras or inside information to you know, know that that was a personal vendetta that Jerry Krause had against Phil Jackson, against MJ, you know, the boys, you know, Scotty, all of them. You know, he wanted to he wanted to basically prove that he could win or that he could make the Chicago Bulls franchise win without MJ and without uh, Phil. That's it, you know, because he felt he wanted more attention. And I can't blame him, you know, like that makes sense, I guess. Maybe be less, you know, obvious about it and less should i say this of a i gotta make this pg less of a jerk. Uh, you know egocentric yeah jerk basically so no it is what it is but either way this season was basically and this is how they introduced it in the first episode either way wh whatever happened you know this team was going to get disbanded and that's it you know and they they knew this you know at the at the way 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 start of it Hence, hence the the name, the last dance. But yes. then, following that, it was the next two episodes were about like the other big players of the dynasty. Episode two being yes. Scotty Pippen, and episode three being the Dennis Rodman episode, which was, I'd say, mo a lot of people's one of their most favorite episodes because it was dramatic and engaging. But talking about Scotty Pippen first. Apparently, Scottie Pippen was a walk-on at, like, Central Arkansas, and he grew, like, a foot and a half when he was there. And, uh, oh. yeah, he just, he 
he just became a star overnight because he's just like a six foot I think he's like six foot nine wing like he had the size to play in today's nba oh yeah no doubt about it <laughs> yeah no doubt no doubt about it and i mean scotty pippen i really liked episode two like mj's cool and all and like it's cool seeing like some of the things that obviously you and me weren't around because we were both born in 98 or 99 something like that and so you know there's some cool things with that but learning about scotty pippen was really interesting to me because i really honestly i didn't know much about most of the role players around mj except for dennis rodman because i watched that one bad boys documentary which is really good by the way i don't know if you've seen it or not the 30 for 30 right uh, yeah yeah dude all i know is bill lambeer ain't it chief oh yeah <laughs> yeah you're not wrong but yeah you're right there so anyways scotty pippen he's a good guy he's a hard worker super inspirational story probably one of the more inspirational stories of of any athlete i in fuck say in history because I mean, again there's lebron and that story is pretty amazing but scotty's story is really great you know on episode two i felt like they really did him justice um was this <laughs> was this well, the episode where they revealed his salary structure the, too, this or? was the, yeah that was the episode where they talked about his salary and mj was like yeah scotty was wrong for doing his surgery when he did when uh, he wasn't because scotty pippen may be one of the most underpaid athletes of all time yeah he was just for comparison for nba fans today his salary was equivalent it was, it was like a hundred and something in the league which is where andre roberson is scotty was making the equivalent to andrew to andre roberson money and i can tell you as an okc fan he he's terrible like he can't make free throws he's a complete liability in offense and we just stick him on defense. And Scottie Pippen was capable of not only playing the best player on offense at all five positions, by the way, but also being a way better scorer and an electric dunker and a great passer too. So, yes, um, I mean, yeah, you're right because he signed what like a seven-year, eight-year deal for like yeah, <laughs> like ten million dollars. That's not a lot at all. It's like a million dollars a year, kind of. Like, it was bad. Yeah. And that's they took like, advantage of him because he was just poor growing up, basically. Exactly, yeah. I mean, honestly, that would be like if LeBron joined the Miami Heat on a seven-year, $10 million deal, and then you basically make a super team around them. That's how I saw it, you know? So I have not seen something... Just being honest, like... I don't know. Maybe I haven't done my research into like more old school players, but that's really lucky. They got a caliber player to agree to a deal like that. And his defense, he agreed to it because he wanted financial stability because he had two family members who were in wheelchairs. Am I right? Three? I know. I know at least one and maybe even up to three. It, and he had a big family too also like, he had like seven sure had like siblings. seven siblings yeah <laughs> so yeah so i mean honestly if anybody needed the money scotty pippen needed the money michael jordan he, like i'm just gonna be honest like he, he was privileged and that's it you know compared to scotty pippen he was privileged and he made the most money out of the both of them but I, I mean i digress 
Okay, so that part actually kind of rubbed me wrong. Now that you brought it up, I almost forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it. it was foul, but yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. They just got really lucky with Scotty Pippen signing with them, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, like I said, this is MJ centric, like the whole documentary. So I'm not like super mad. But I'm still definitely mad because Scotty didn't like how he was portrayed in this either. Well. There is one quote that Jordan said that I think summarizes Scottie Pippen really well. And he says, without Scottie Pippen, there is no Michael Jordan. Because they were drafted within like a year of each other, I think, or two years. So, it was a couple years, I thought. No, it was like I, like two years, I'm pretty sure, was like the most. So they, they were drafted really close together and they developed together too. So It was three years, okay. So... No, you're right. So do you want to move on to the <laughs> interesting episode of this documentary, probably? Am I, okay. At least according to the Ball Girls, it was. I mean, yeah, let's uh, name drop the Ball Girls and uh, the Rodzilla fandom over up in the Great White North. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dennis Rodman straight up. Uh, here's how I summarized episode three. Dennis Rodman just left in the middle of the 97-98 season. Because he said he needed a break, so he went to Vegas on a complete bender. <laughs> and just, like, he was just gone for a few days. And then he came back. So. Well, they had to drag him back. He didn't actually. Yeah. They, I thought they yeah. did. No, no, no. You know how you know how important of a player you are for Michael Jordan to fly out of his way to come get you is? Like. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't do that for Tony Kukoc. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him in a second too. Who got yeah, oh, sorry, mad? Yeah. He got mad disrespected in this, but yep. yeah, uh, Dennis Rodman, he's the go. And uh, also one of my favorite memes. Okay, this whole documentary had a bunch of great memes that came out of it. One of my favorite was Dennis Rodman describing how to get a rebound and go this way and back up off the backboard. Got it here. That was so. Funny. For real, but it was interesting though because like he broke down rebounding to a like for him, not for the viewers, obviously. Yeah, he broke if, down if rebounding you, to a science. If you don't know what basketball is and you tried to watch Dennis Rodman's explanation on rebounding, you would be so confused. Like, yeah, but I mean, but he knew what he was talking about, and that's why he was he is one of the greatest rebounders of all time. No, for sure, and look. I've always liked Dennis Rodman. I will probably get a Dennis Rodman, you know, jersey eventually, whatever. But and I'm I'm gonna also include this as well. You know, like if I was an NBA player and I was like six nine or six ten, I would probably be exactly like Dennis Rodman. You know, well, but like well, Dennis modern. Rodman wasn't even like that big, honestly. No, oh, he was like six seven, or he might have been shorter than Scotty Loki, but I don't know. Well, he wasn't shorter than Scotty. He he wasn't How that tall big is... compared to like other people at power forward. I'm pretty sure. How like, was he? Like if you look at the film of him on on Carl Malone, gosh, Carl Malone is huge. He's six foot seven. Yeah, he's shorter than Scotty. Yeah. So Scotty is taller than him. Okay. Power yeah. forwards were a bit different back then. Yeah, they were. Carl Malone. I mean, look, he's not a good person, but. The dude's probably one of the most jacked athletes I've ever seen in my life. So, there you go. That's all yep. I got to say about that. But, 
was still scrappy though, D uh, Dennis Rodman. I mean, he was still scrappy, you know, and he worked really hard. Um, wasn't his road, you know, his basketball career slash road or whatever, is a very interesting one. You know, I feel like he didn't play until a little bit later, right? I'm pretty sure he didn't. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, he couldn't score consistently that is like honestly if he did score it was pretty lucky like no cap it was you know it, it, it was a lot of luck i'm just gonna be honest it was a lot of luck so he really his bread and butter was rebounding and playing really tough defense and being a lockdown guy and like i said if i was in the if i was 6'10 or if i was his height if i'm being honest i would probably be that type of player if i played basketball no cap but here's the thing with that Dennis Rodman, and I think this is pretty obvious, Dennis Rodman would not survive in today's NBA. So from like, should I say this, 2005 or 2006 on, if he had a career during then until now, he would not have survived. Am I wrong or what? I feel like that's that's like a tough question to address just because... Or hold up, personality-wise, because of his personality, he wouldn't survive. Not because of his gameplay, but personality-wise. Well, I think it just depends. And honestly, you know, I think about it and Michael Jordan put up with it. And Michael Jordan was a really, one of the most impatient players probably in the league's history. And when you're that good, I think that it just, people end up putting up with it, you know? I mean, he's basically like a not as good, of, like on offense version of like Kevin Garnett. If you like compare him to like a <laughs> modern player a little bit, okay. like because because I don't think it's right to compare Draymond Green to him, even though Draymond only like does rebound and play defense. But Dennis Rodman is just so much better than Draymond Green. Like, yeah. So, and I think it just I mean, depends on where he was at, you know, and how important he was. Like, and a lot of players, I don't think, embrace their role quite the way that, like, like you could tell when Dennis Rodman is talking about it, he enjoys rebounding. Oh. Like, a lot of other dudes, they're like, oh my God, like, I have to rebound everything, you know? Like, like it's their job, but they're not excited about it, you know? Dennis Rodman genuinely enjoyed, like, the art of the rebound, so pause yeah <laughs> no that's that's fair i mean look the thing is like so with dennis rodman you know there's no doubt that he's a talent no doubt that okay well i don't know like that he's committed i guess to okay there's no doubt that he's committed to his role but there is doubt about his commitment to basketball probably i mean if i'm being honest there is doubt actually honestly that's pretty much it like there's doubt that he's committed to basketball like in today's time with social media and whatnot people would be at like Stephen a smith and all those guys skip bayless especially would be like colin coward especially too would be like i don't know if dennis rodman actually likes to play basketball it seems like he likes to do other things and he doesn't really care about his job i could see it like like that's something they would absolutely say if Dennis Rodman played in the modern era, just because like, look, he, he could be a distraction like, straight up. And I have a hard time imagining a lot of players and coaches, because coaches have power, you know, for sure. But players that would, you know, step up to bat for Dennis Rodman 
as as tough as MJ did because MJ was a competitor. He was someone who really wanted to win. And I mean, if it comes down to it, how would it, how would a uh, average basketball player feel about some guy needing breaks? But like then they won't be granted breaks sometimes. And even then, like how would they feel? Like how would coaches feel about having a guy that they know is you know some could say is a little bit high maintenance is high maintenance to a degree and uh, you know i mean plowed Kawhi leonard is high maintenance yeah well it's a, it's a different mean? it's a different kind of load management but it's load management whether it's your brain or your physical body yeah, but Kawhi doesn't go out drinking and partying and gambling with well, um, what's her name? What's her first name? off, first off, it's Carmen Electra. Second there we go. Off, yeah. Second off, I was about to say Jessica Alba, but go on. Kawhi is out late. You just don't hear about it because he's not as he doesn't have as big of personality as Dennis Rodman did. See, that's but, the thing, though. But like Kawhi doesn't have that kind of personality. That's like super, you know uh extroverted i should say you know like if Kawhi goes out and parties and does that all, all that stuff like you're not gonna hear about it and honestly like you're not gonna hear other people talk about it either well it's like with dennis rodman he wasn't telling everybody that he was going and partying it's just wherever he went and part of that was him having a supermodel girlfriend or True. you know or when he was dating madonna like there's multiple reasons why cameras were on Dennis Rodman, and it wasn't always because of him. I mean... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's fair, but, like, you know, that'd be like... Well, okay, it wouldn't be exactly like this, but, like, if Kawhi... <laughs> Here, I'm a chill. Uh, you know what? I'm a chill. I'm a chill. I was, I was about to make a Kylie Jenner joke. But anyways, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know how many teams would give Dennis Rodman leeway that phil jackson gave him because there are not a lot of coaches like phil jackson i can't think of a lot of coaches like, like well i mean that's Portland. why he's he's the goat coach so this oh, oh phil jackson yeah yeah which, which oh, that's is, fair we'll we'll get to that episode in a second but sure but, you know, it was a it was an entertaining episode i had a lot of fun watching this one i thought it was dope um i at the same time, I really couldn't imagine any other modern-day player doing the things that Dennis Rodman did and staying on a team for more than a year. So, Yeah, well, we just may never see anything like him again, and that's what makes him so special. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, well, okay, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I didn't mean that in a terrible, like, in a bad way. I mean, in, like, I respect Dennis Rodman and his legacy. Here we go. Yeah. There you go. Nice recovery, <laughs> Simon. Yeah, but. yeah. And, and that same episode, um, Dennis Rodman stole the show, and the Pistons beat the heck out of Jordan. Like, like I didn't realize, like, how physical the Pistons were specifically at Jordan. But, like, watching, like, like he was talking about it, you know? But I think that the video did it the most justice. Like, and, and the players from the Pistons talking about it, like, yeah, coach said every time he goes up, make sure he lands on on the floor. Like they beat the snot out of Jordan and Charles Oakley, a real G who got traded. But that that was interesting to watch, and you know, it gave some preface for me as to like the adversity that Jordan faced. And to, sure, yeah. To me, it, the the Bad Boy Pistons are to Jordan what the 
Celtics were to LeBron. Is yeah, that fair? No, yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it was like a bunch of people basically on one before like teams were built around them. Like Jordan had Scotty, but like the the rest of the squad that helped get that first three peat, they weren't in form, you know? No. Not I mean not not really. I mean I'd still I hear I'll give the Pistons their respect. I would probably still take them over the Celtics that LeBron had to face. LeBron had less help too, so there you go. I mean, you know, they, they both had to work through something. And so I kinda liked that episode. Yeah. And then oh, it was the, good. The the fourth episode talks about them finally beating the Pistons and you know, <laughs> uh talking about Isaiah Thomas and you know, I think Isaiah Thomas was definitely blackballed off the Olympic team. I feel like that's really obvious because no in my opinion, he's one of the best point guards of all time. And we talked about this on the top 74 reaction that his legacy is disrespected. And I feel like that lack of handshake has a lot to do with it because even though it was Bill Lambeer's idea, Isaiah Thomas was still the face of those Pistons teams. So, yeah. What do you think about Isaiah Thomas kind of scaling back on... Uh explanation on the handshake thing what do you mean like i guess it wasn't really scaling back in my opinion when he was trying to explain the handshake thing he made it seem like or maybe the producers made it seem seem like that he was you know like how should i say this like at the time what? he did it on purpose and he really didn't care what mj thought which would have been fine i mean i still think it would have been fine because i love isaiah thomas but <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but now that he's older he's a little bit more mature and is like yeah i probably shouldn't have done that and that's also probably why i didn't make the you know the, the dream team or whatever and he was a he was way more remorseful than he actually felt well i just feel like well I don't know. I feel like he definitely like wouldn't do that again, you know, because you know, really? at the at the time, at the time, you know, he thinks that like it's not the end of the Bad Boy Pistons, but that was the end. So like yeah. me, I think that bit cuz it makes you look like more of a clown if that was your last your last act, basically. Like yeah. it wasn't like he kept playing basketball and stuff, but that was the last time the Pistons, the Bad Boy Pistons were relevant. You know, True. so I feel like that has something to, like that's a bit humbling where it's like, you know, he's not going to shake hands because it's like, yeah, whatever. I'll see you next year and we'll kick your butt and we'll go to the finals again. And it never happened. Like, yeah. And that and, wasn't his fault. Well, it wasn't his fault, but I'm just saying that's definitely humbling where it's like, Obviously, oh, yeah, we didn't get we didn't get our revenge. You know, yeah, no, that makes sense. All right. Imagine if Michael Jordan switched teams and joined the bad boy Pistons. He'd have the same respect for me that Kevin Durant does, so. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's, yeah, no, that's fair. But that was, and, and so episode four takes you to their first championship, like the beginning of it. Phil Jackson, uh, he used to be a baller. Doug Collins was a nice guy, but he wasn't the winner. And, uh, well, they say that the triangle offense was like a big deal, but it was still it, in my eyes, it still looked like Michael Jordan was just playing iso ball a lot. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not. I mean, <laughs> like, I wouldn't say it was as much iso as the other. Is it Doug Jones? No, it's not. Doug Collins. It, 
Doug Collins, yep. Like it wasn't as much ISO as Doug Collins' uh, system. I think the triangle offense basically just allowed other people to have opportunities to play basketball on offense, and that's it. I think it just spaced oh, out yeah. the floor a bit more for Jordan, honestly. Yeah, pretty much. It wasn't anything that special, <laughs> if I'm being honest. The triangle offense, honestly, isn't that great of an offense. Just I mean, throwing that out there. Bro, even with, like, even with Kobe, like, it's just, like, spaced out ISO. So, like, is Facts. what it turned into. But oh, that's besides I the mean, point. <laughs> the triangle offense could work with LeBron, Steph Curry, and, uh, I, I don't know, Clay Thompson. You know, it could work with any three stars, if I'm being honest, if they're good enough. Oh, so that's it. There you go. It's not, my opinion, I don't think it's special. So are we not running that on our rec team, bro? <laughs> uh, well, we run more of a bad boys pistons <laughs> uh, system anyway. So yeah, uh, there you go. That, that was episode four, episode five. Um, it was a little bit of a tribute to Kobe, which I thought was like that obviously wasn't intended, you know, when they made it. But I think it was a nice touch. I think that they did a tasteful job. I think that it was a little funny getting to see like, you know, Jordan trash talking Kobe as a rookie a little bit. But he was a second year kid. Oh, he was second year. OK, but, yeah. you know, get, getting to hear him trash talk him a little bit, but also getting to hear Kobe's input on what look um what jordan meant to him so that that was neat and then um it also talks about jordan like as a shoe so if you had stock x on the fifth episode night uh you could have made some good money or spend a lot of money and um it talked about the olympics and um yeah that u.s team bullying tony kukoc <laughs> kukoc yeah it wasn't even five. his fault. It wasn't even his fault. Uh, so episode five, I felt like it was kind of an underrated episode. I feel like I, I thought it was, I mean, it wasn't as entertaining as the Dennis Rodman one. It was pretty good. Like there was a lot of things going on. Um, just to add on to that Kobe you know, tribute, it wasn't even that long. It was probably like five minutes. Five minutes. For that yeah. and it wasn't all about Kobe because it's MJ centric, obviously. But yeah, they called him the little Laker boy, and it was like I, that scene specifically kind of just stuck out to me because it, it's crazy, you know. Because when you really think about the timeline of all of this, this was 98 year 1998, which ironically yep. was when I was born, so that's crazy in, in itself. Basically, it's like like, it's crazy to think what would happen right after the 98 season or the rising powers. And Kobe was like, obviously one of those guys. And he like, like it was an obvious to me, it was kind of like a little transition of sorts. Obviously the Bulls would win that season, but everyone kind of knew that they wouldn't be back together. So like this year was kind of like, uh, I mean, it wasn't, you know, the, well, I guess it was the passing of the torch, but. I don't know that scene it was it hit a little bit different that's all i gotta say i'm not I'm not completely there i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie it was a little emotional seeing him there cap yeah i i can i can hear you choking up even a little bit now but yeah, yeah it was it was a good scene um and a good episode i really liked 
them talking about the Olympics, like, practices. Like, that's where I really, like, the fact that they, oh my gosh. And, And I'll talk about this in the next segment where we recap more on our final takeaways. But anytime someone, like, made Jordan upset and he's just like, yeah, I guess you could say I took it personal. And then he just <laughs> drops like 50 points is like the funniest stuff to me. Because he's just like Magic Johnson's like, wow, your team's losing by four. You're trash. And then the other team's losing by 10 because Jordan just starts going sicko mode. Like, oh my gosh. It just, it cracks me up that it doesn't just happen to like people that I've never heard of. You know, like that one guy from like the Washington Bullets that was like good game Michael. <laughs> which is silly, you know, and it's not just the BJ Armstrongs of the world, but it's also the Magic Johnsons and, like, like other great athletes. That he's just like, what'd you say? And he just loses his mind. Yeah. I, here, I gotta be honest. I mean, these these are our reactions, so uh, here's my reaction to all that. I'm not gonna lie, over time, that kind of annoyed me. It's like, all right, yeah, like, we get it. You're edgy, like, cool, bro. <laughs> also, at the same time, like, I'm not even going to cap. I did that, too. Like, when I played football, I just didn't really acknowledge it until, like, I became an adult. Because I definitely remember. <laughs> Here, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into this. But I definitely remember telling myself some things before, like, I went to play Kyler Murray or not even play like scream like i would practice against this dude and scrimmage against him and i'd be like man this dude's disrespecting me by even thinking he could get on this field with me like it'd be stupid stuff like that so i'm not even gonna cap i was like that too i just didn't really acknowledge it like that because i was too proud to and i was so i was a kid so whatever <laughs> it definitely like i think around this point of the documentary which was 10 episodes like i was like damn like Oh my gosh. I get it. Like, I get it. It's about Michael Jordan. I get it. Like, he's cool. Like, he's like, it's cool, man. Like, if I, I don't know. It's all. And like, it definitely got to the point sometimes where I was like, if LeBron was like that, people would be like, why does LeBron hate black people? Or why does LeBron hate? Oh like, my gosh. Why does LeBron hate people <laughs> of color? It would be like that. I could, uh, Jason Whitlock already be saying stuff like that too, though. Like, I don't know if you, this is way off topic. I don't know if you saw this, but there's definitely a headline where he said, "Is LeBron's uh, is LeBron's way of handling business because he only had one parent back in the day." I'm like, dude, what the? the You could look it up. You could look it up. That's what Jason Whitlock, another man of color, said about LeBron. So, anyways, that's why I know that's something that would actually happen. But I digress. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, wait, real quick, the dream team. <laughs> About, dream team. Oh yeah. Didn't know team. that Shaq could have joined. Watch. It was fun. I, I cut you off there. It was fun to watch. Yes. Uh, but also, I mean, this didn't have to do with the documentary. But I didn't know that Shaq could have joined this team instead of Christian Leitner. He definitely should have been there. But wasn't that right after Christian Leitner hit like the shot? Uh, yeah. Because the dream team was Maybe. still new, right? So yeah. it, it included college and pros as well. So, oh no, Christian Leitner was the only college kid on it. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's because he hit the shot. Like I also was, thought it was because he was a four-year guy too. So maybe 
I'm not I'm not entirely sure what all went into it, but I'm pretty sure like hype had a lot to do with it. Hype? Hype, huh? Oh, hype, hype. Yeah, like, you're right. Like recency bias. Because like Shaq was good, but he didn't hit a historical shot, you know? Because he couldn't yeah. shoot. But like, anyways. Yeah. I mean, Christian Leitner in general just had a better college career too. And I feel like well, yeah. some people kind of owed it to him just stupid but they some people felt like that he was owed uh an olympic team i mean olympic not, team appearance not like he saw any time anyway i mean gosh that team was so loaded yeah and watching really oh my it. gosh watching scotty pippen defend tony bro oh my gosh that was so unfair tony was so scrawny and scotty's just bullying him and then in the interview tony's like I don't know why they hated me so much. And it was like literally Jerry Krause's fault because he was trying to replace Scotty. Yeah. They did Tony Kukoc dirty. Is it Kukoc or Kukoc? Uh, I think it's Kukoc. I'm not entirely sure. That's why I'm just calling him Tony because I know how to say that. Okay, we'll just say Tony then. Tony K. Tony K. 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 Hey, that, sound, that sounds kind of dope. Low key. I was just gonna say Tony K got bullied and that was my biggest takeaway from the dream team is that they just hated Tony K. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much it. Did he get an episode at all or was this kind of his episode? That was kind of his episode, yeah. and then during the Jordan baseball season, he he gets in the spotlight because he hits a, a shot. But we can cover that coming up next on the second half of Last Dance and Final Takeaways. Welcome back to the 37th episode of the Cycle 365. Happy Juneteenth, by the way. Oh, we are going to continue our Last Dance reactions. Take it away. Yeah, so... Well, we'll go a bit quick on this one because I know that we have a lot to say. Overall reactions. So I think I'm just going to lay down yeah. what happened in all the episodes and then we'll just kind of talk from there. So starting from episode yep. six, there's a book released about Michael Jordan, about his, like how he's kind of a shady teammate and his gambling problem. But they win... Uh, another title in 93. Episode 7 talks about the death of his father and his first retirement and what the Bulls look like without Michael Jordan. Then Michael Jordan kind of jumps in episode 8. Jordan jumps back in with the Bulls in the middle of like the 94 95 season. And then episode 9 is about. Is about. Um, well, and, and like the end of episode 8 is about their championship run in 96 then episode 9 is about their first finals against utah and then the 98 series against indiana and steve kerr this is the steve kerr episode episode 9 is and then episode 10 is the sixth championship the second three p and basically the closure amongst the players as like a quick rundown of all that happened so where do we want to start so, I gotta be honest with you, bro. 
Michael Jordan had a gambling problem, and he definitely made it seem like he didn't. But, and also, <laughs> and there's like a little bit of controversy where he didn't back up this African-American senator in North Carolina, I believe. Yeah, he and didn't. He's, he stood by, and, you know, that's a gap that we see in a difference between, like, LeBron's political activism versus Jordan, where... He, you know, he even said in the documentary, he's like, I wish that I wasn't a role model. I just wanted to play basketball. But that's part of being an athlete, though. So, like, yeah, that and because I didn't, I didn't really like that too much. And I I and it makes it feel like his recent activism is just kind of like. Like part participative where he's exactly. just doing it to do it like we talked about in the last segment. Yep. I 100% agree, because was it Rodney King, the Rodney King case that happened, that caused the LA riots? That is what caused the LA riots. Yeah, so he didn't say anything at all to that. So, if we're going to compare that now, it's like if he wasn't, say, like, if he was his young self now, you know, playing in the NBA, he was a brand and whatnot, all that stuff, that was him today. That would be the equivalent of him not saying anything about George Floyd. It'd be the equivalent of if LeBron didn't say anything, which he did, and went out of his way to do. Yeah, which we'll talk about more later. So, yeah, I, I've always known this about him, and I'm I'm not going to lie, I just don't buy into like his whole thing with activism and whatnot, because a lot of people are doing it. I already said it once, you know, he was privileged, like... Just being honest, like, we're looking at a lot of his teammates and whatnot, and compared to, you know, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, even Steve Kerr, you know, Michael Jordan's kind of had more of a cushy life than them. I'm not, I'm just being honest, like, more privileged. Steve Kerr lost his dad in some, like, I, I don't even, I don't want to misquote Hostage it. crisis. Yeah. Basically. Which... It is what it is, and Steve Kerr wasn't, like, a huge talent either, you know? Like, he wasn't Michael Jordan in college, so there you go. And I I mean, I don't know. It just kind of doesn't add up. Like, I mean, obviously, he's black, so there you go. At the same time, you could still feel some type of way and do fake activism. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's one thing that is going to be talked about, you know, when, whenever LeBron retires is, their legacy off the court like jordan was a brand lebron was an activist well unless it comes to china but you know he's done more for i'd say the african-american community than jordan has like jordan is like a status whereas lebron is a movement oh exactly i agree um, I mean, that's besides the point. Uh, so with the gambling problem, I kind of wanted to come back to that. It talked about his father dying and, you know, how there were, you know, rumors started that he caused his dad to die, which is already messed up. Yeah, I wasn't but, a huge fan of the way that they went after that. Yes, I was. I really wasn't either. But, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of had some doubts. Like, the documentary didn't make me feel better <laughs> about the fact that he didn't, you know, cause it i'm just gonna leave it there you know i wouldn't want to disrespect him like that i've lost my father too so there we go 
and I'm also a person of color, so there we go. So I know what it's like to lose a father figure and whatnot and have, you know, a lack of guidance for sure. Just, I don't know. Just doesn't really seem, just wasn't sold. Like his, his gambling, like, it's definitely a problem. Uh, and I don't think he fully recognizes that either. What would you think about that? I'd say that episodes five, six, and seven are where I can find the most things to knock Michael Jordan on. And yeah. I can knock him even harder because of either the denial or like uh, like the suck up that's happening around because you have like yeah. the gambling thing and like he's notorious for that. It was a problem. And you know, it, it was like an image problem which it didn't matter for his brand, really, I don't think. But no. it, it definitely feeds into him not being a role model. You know, like, bro, who wagers? <laughs> like, bruh, you you know what you could do with $100,000 instead of wagering it in a game of golf? Like... Hope the African-American community. Like, seriously, you know. And, you know, Carolina, the Carolinas, racism is still very alive there. So, like, he definitely yeah. could have done more, and that includes, like, helping get the right political people into office and helping with progress and yada, 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 yada. And we might not see some of the same things that we see today if Michael Jordan, you know, just by domino effect, actually was trying to do the right thing for the world instead of the right thing for Michael Jordan. Yeah, no cap. LeBron's probably done more for Michael Jordan's home state than Michael Jordan had. So, I don't have go. any evidence to back that up, but I wouldn't be surprised. Is what I'll say. Yeah, I mean it's not that hard to believe, and I don't have evidence either. So I'll throw that out there. But yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know. That's why I'm not like a huge MJ fan. <laughs> it's because. Eh. Oh my gosh. The character means a lot to me. And look, I know LeBron, like, I really didn't like what he said about the China stuff. I really, really hate that. Like, don't get it, it was, twisted. It was disappointing only because I have such high respect for LeBron. Exactly. But yeah. if I was growing up and watching MJ and he said, like, the same thing about China, I wouldn't be as surprised as because the expectations yeah. weren't high. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's fair. But I mean, I'm just talking personally, like being a good person means means something, at least when it comes to me being a fan of an athlete, you know, because I'm fans of my teams. That's that's never going to change. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. That's probably never going to change. But like I feel about athletes, whether I get their jersey or not, because I'm this is just I, I feel like this is kind of weird for a 21 year old to be doing, but I'm collecting jerseys because I actually have a job now. <laughs> and yeah. And so just, I don't know, like as a fan, like personally, like, you know, helping out a community, helping out you know, people of color, people like you, that's a big deal to me. And I just, there's a lot of respect lost there. And that's probably why I'll never be as high on Michael Jordan as as other people and obviously i didn't live in that era either so i have my bias yeah yeah anyways we can move but on those those are definitely the biggest knocks and the the documentary definitely downplayed them as much as possible whether it's jordan's perspective and also the baseball one like look 
Okay, statistically speaking, Jordan wasn't as bad of a baseball player as like a lot of people say he was. You know, sure. and he had like it, I didn't know that he had an 11 game hit streak. Like that's pretty impressive, you know, in baseball. Sure. But the the scouts that the people who were like, yeah, if he was in baseball for like three more years, he probably would have been like an elite majors player. And I'm like, no way, dude. Like elite? Yeah. They, they were like, <laughs> they were like, yeah, he would have been like amazing. I'm like. Look, just like it's okay that he was like s- below par in minor league baseball after having played basketball for the past 20 years. You know, like it's okay to not be good at another sport that you haven't ever practiced. And you know, I'll I'll give him some credit. He was better than he probably should have been given his complete lack of experience in practice. He definitely exceeded what the bar should have been for him. But he wasn't like a great player at baseball, and I don't know that they definitely sucked up to him a little bit on that. Like everyone around him, which you know we've seen that in like uh, apparently in Space Jam, Jordan confirmed that like pe- the catchers would actually tell him what the pitches were <laughs> because they okay. like because they wanted him to do good, and he'd actually be like, "Bro, quit telling me what the pitch is gonna be like." <laughs> Because if there's one thing about Jordan, you know, he doesn't want to just be given something, you know, like give him that. So like, I couldn't imagine that. But yeah, the people who were like, yeah, he's going to end up being a a great baseball player. I'm like, bro, if he ever made it to the majors, he wasn't going to be like, you know, like an elite crazy talent. Okay. Uh, So yeah, I have a confession to make. Basically... Everyone knows this. I'm pretty sure the listeners know this, but I'm not a baseball fan. So, and I've heard things about Michael Jordan not being that great at baseball and whatnot, not being like the ultimate like dual threat athlete or whatever. But when I watched this documentary, I was like, wow, he's actually kind of all right. Like he's like elite, like, okay. Like, like I kind of, I definitely bought into it. And so the documentary fooled me and probably fooled everyone else who's not a baseball fan. Like, well, I'll say one thing. He's not as terrible as, like, history holds him to be at baseball. Because, you know, it, he was like a punchline. Like, oh, you know, Michael Jordan in baseball. But, like, he was, given the circumstances, he was okay. But he wasn't going to be, like, a star in baseball. Like, it wasn't happening. <laughs> and all the people who were saying that it was going to happen, they got you, bro. Yeah, I I know. I'll go with my original gut that Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, and Kyler Murray would have probably been better baseball players. Absolutely, because they played at the major league. <laughs> so yeah. So all right, whatever. That's I mean, here whole dual you know sport athlete thing. That's probably a conversation for another day. Maybe next week because that would be a dope one. Like top five, top ten dual sport athletes of all time. Either way, Michael Jordan's not on that list. <laughs> Bro, all we have to all so. we have to do is wait until some games are played. Like we just have to bide our time a little bit. I mean, we could talk about Major League Soccer, but we're not going to talk about Major League Soccer, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Right, but um, what else about that what was going to talk about? That was basically like episodes five, six, and a little bit of seven. Um, was like the biggest things that you can poke at Michael Jordan for. And then episode seven was the Bulls without Michael Jordan as well, where they won, yeah. they still won like 50 games, 
and they lost to a really good Knicks team that I'm pretty sure went on to go to the finals. Maybe not. Yeah, they lost. They, no, yeah, they did. They did. They went to the finals one of those two years against the Rockets, unless they went both years. Lost the Rockets both times? I don't know if it was the Knicks both times. The Rockets went back-to-back, though, in Jordan Sapson. Oh, okay. And then I also wanted to say that... Oh, episode 7. That was when Tony Kukoc, Tony K, was drawn up to take the last shot, and Scottie Pippen sat out that play. And they kind of dragged him. They dragged him pretty hard for that. But also, like... I totally get why all of his teammates were mad, bro. Like, so what? You weren't drawn up to take the last shot, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure if you looked at career numbers and, like, percentages, I bet Tony K was probably a better shooter, especially from three, than Scotty was. Like... Was it a three-point shot? I thought it was a mid-range. Or... Either way, I'd probably say Tony K was probably just, like, a better shooter in general. Not a better basketball player, because he couldn't play defense, but... You know, like there's logic behind it, right? Like, yeah, I mean, no, I I agree. I think in part, I feel like because of how much, should I say this? How much of the spotlight was on Michael Jordan, the first three championships, Scottie Pippen kind of wanted some of that spotlight because he knew it would help him with his uh, (laughs) contract renegotiations down the line. So, you know, he wanted to be seen as that guy, a Michael Jordan-esque type of guy who could, you know, carry a team, make the big shots and whatever. So I feel like he kind of just felt cheated at that point because, I mean, if I'm being honest, like it does kind of hurt like his rep to a degree. Like, I mean, you know, like, you know how sports casters, like people like us fans be like, oh, uh, I wonder why this guy, I wonder why this star didn't take the shot, you know? Like, people do it about LeBron all the time. Like, I wonder why LeBron didn't take the shot instead of Ray Allen. Like, I mean, basketball is basketball. You got to go with your best skill players with the best strategy. And uh, Scotty was wrong for this, for sure. Uh, He was definitely dragged in the mud for... It was was an uncomfortable amount of time, I'm not going to lie. Because, like, I definitely felt like... MJ and like his whole like aura, even though he wasn't exactly there, but like the presence that he left kind of played a role in Scotty feeling some type of way. Because if MJ was there, Scotty wouldn't feel that way, obviously. I think it was like a shadow kind of thing, you know. And like yes. Scotty, Scotty thought, "Hey, if I win a championship without Michael Jordan, maybe I'm the best player of all time," you know. Yeah, and he'd get some respect. And he's well, still he's- disrespected to this day. Just yeah, no, putting for that sure. out there. Yeah, no, I feel like it would be real similar. Like if he won a championship without Michael, you know, it would be real similar to what Kawhi did is doing right now. Oh, that's yeah. fair. I mean, still, he was still wrong though. He should have just, like, bro. It was a regular season game. Nobody cares. No, it was a, <laughs> it was a playoff game. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, I. Was this like an elimination game or was it like game one or two? I think it was like game three. Oh, okay. So it was kind of in there. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. I don't know why, but in my mind, it was like, like this game doesn't even matter that much low key. No, it, right, it okay. mattered. And like Scotty was definitely like hurt by Phil's play call, but that yeah. doesn't mean that you sit out, you know? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, at that point you just got to be the bigger person. But, 
But I feel like I feel like they intentionally focused on this part for like quite a minute. Yeah, they kind of made Scotty look weak at times throughout this documentary, no cap. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to more of that here in a sec. Um, Let's move the, on. Well, the, the next episode was Jordan's return, and then they lost to the Knicks again in the playoffs. And, the, okay, the, this is actually the last time that I'll drag Jordan for stuff that happened inside the documentary. Everyone was like, oh, Jordan's knees were weak because he'd been playing baseball before, and he came back <laughs> in. But, bro, he was averaging 30 points per game in that series. And, like, I saw a tweet where it's like, bro, sometimes you just lose. And, like, that's what happened. Like, and it doesn't make Jordan's legacy any less. It doesn't make Scottie Pippen's legacy or the Bulls' legacy any less. Like, the Knicks were a good team. You know, they had good players. They played the Bulls hard. And they just beat them. They just beat them. And it happens. They were the better team that night or that series, you know, so... Yeah, I, I didn't quite get that part. I was like, okay, bro, like, is that really that big of a deal? Like, like, look, if you're the GOAT, you win no matter what, am I right? So, like, it is what it is. He ended up winning three w- rings later, so it actually, honestly, didn't matter that much. It was like three rings in a row, too. So, yeah, but no, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah, it I didn't matter, like, which is why I think that... Oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but... You're good. It, it didn't matter, and I think that's why it was stupid that they brought it up anyway. Yeah, and like, look, my degree is technically a bachelor in science for sport and exercise science. So I know, you know, like you know, things with the muscle and stuff like that. And look, if I'm just being honest, like, like the different kind of muscle you have doesn't play that big of a role in winning or losing a game, especially if you played like multiple games before and had like a couple months to get. Hey, like it was a couple months to like get yourself yeah. at that point. Yeah, like what? And he played like two years of baseball. Not even. He was okay, only gone from half. basketball from like for like yeah a year and a half. Okay, yeah. So like it's not like you went through it like in a like a huge muscle like restructuring or reconstruction like because he did it. If I'm being honest, he basically looks the same <laughs> as a baseball player as he did as a basketball player. If like there's not that big of a difference, you know. So it's not that big of a difference, you know, between winning or losing. You just lost. That's it. And you're sore about it. So anyways, could move on <laughs> if that was it. I don't think there was any more, was there? No, but that was that was definitely lame and like, bro, he was averaging 30 points per game that series. Like, what yeah. do you mean? What do you mean your knees weren't working? Like, and I don't you know. You could walk. It, it, it kind of gives me, like, uh, like, I don't know why people don't bring this up, like the LeBron cramps thing. Oh, oh, this thing? Yeah. MJ? Yeah. Because it's the same thing. Oh, well, yeah. No, it basically is. It's the difference is Michael Jordan didn't get carried off the court. Oh, and that's no cap. Like that's probably one. I'm not gonna lie. Like LeBron getting those cramps and having to get carried off, looking like that's not a. It's probably one of the softer looks in NBA Bro, history. It, it, it looked really so, soft. Like yeah. And then when it was said that it was cramps, I was like, bruh. But you know, it, it's <laughs> it's the same like excuse thing. I, I guess it's more on the equivalent of like LeBron wrapping his thumb after losing to the Warriors in the finals. You remember that? Wait, what? Wait, like which when he time? was wearing, 
<laughs> That's messed up, bro. I feel like it's happened more than once. One well, of those was, times was actually valid. One of the times that he was wearing like a sprained thumb cast since the series was over. And I was like, okay, like you're just going to wear that to this press conference just like because kind of thing. That's more what it's like to me. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like I said, it doesn't matter because he won three straight championships. If LeBron won three straight championships after the whole cramps thing, nobody would have... Oh, I, I wouldn't say nobody, but it probably wouldn't have been brought up as much as it is now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But that brings us to episodes 9 and 10. Uh, yes. And and one of, my fa- one of Simon's least favorite parts of the documentary, and one of my favorite parts of the documentary is the supersonics finals that the bulls went to <laughs> because yeah. because gary payton is like yeah i was getting in his head and i was slowing down michael jordan and, you know I, i'm not saying that we would have won but we probably would have won if i played that same way the whole time and then michael jordan just laughs and said i had no problems with the glove <laughs> like that crap. and yeah it he was funny so i'm not gonna much, lie bro yeah, like he just yeah. clowned him Oh yeah, it was funny, like no doubt. But like at the same time, hey buddy, like MJ, I mean, like MJ, like look, <laughs> no other defender played you as well as Gary Payton did in your entire like career going to the finals. Like Gary Payton statistically, like like he he put you on lock as much as you could put MJ on lock. If I'm just being honest, oh, and it's no coincidence that the Sonics won a couple games too because of that. So George Carl is the worst. Like I literally hate George Carl so much. He's literally the worst. Like for real. Yeah, he's part of the reason why Melo didn't win a ring when we were- when he was with the Nuggets, dude. Exactly. Such you know a it's- jerk too. I don't. Know. You know it's George Carl's fault that the uh, li- that the uh, Warriors friend or er, dynasty started. What do you mean? Vigadala? Fla- um, it-, it was the year. It so there's a great year. It was Peyton Manning's first year here in Colorado. Because okay, I remember the Broncos went 13 and 3, had the first seed. The Abs had the first seed in hockey, and mm-hmm. the Nuggets had the first seed in the West. It was a great year, and we lost to the Warriors in the first round. And which we shouldn't have, like we choked to the Warriors. <laughs> and then Iguodala left, and George Carl got fired, because that that was like the there were so many times when we were a high seed and we just lost. So, yeah, George yeah. Carl ain't he's nobody. Yeah, um, and because of George Carl's ass failures, and obviously back then you know it was different, but you know now that we have like ten plus years of uh, George Carl failures, we could definitely give Gary Payton. And Sean Kemp, a lot of uh, credit. Yeah, okay. Sean Kemp wasn't mentioned. Go on, Cody. No, no, he was, but it was disrespectful. He's like, Gary Payton was good. Like, they were oozing over Gary Payton, and then they were like, and Sean Kemp was good alley-oop part. Like, bro, Sean Kemp collected souls, all right? Like, like, dog, he, he would just snatch people's souls, and he dunked on anybody and everybody, like... It, so yeah, that was that was disrespectful to Sean Kemp, and 
you know, being an OKC fan kind of makes <laughs> me like a Supersonics fan and like a okay. weird, like messed up family step kind of way. In like a in-law kind of way, I guess. But like... I was going to say an incarnation. No. <laughs> an no, 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 incarnation like, type of way. Is that what it... Well, re reincarnation. Incarnation. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So incarnation like incarnation type of way. And and like you could even argue that if the Sonics win that franchise, they're still. In, if they win that finals, they might still be in Seattle. Like, there are uh, huge implications to George Carl's mess up. But you know, like you said, Simon. Like, yeah, Jordan laughed at him, and Gary Payton defended him as good as anybody could have. But I'm pretty sure Jordan still averaged like even in those games like 25 points per game which like for jordan numbers is like low but still not like you know well those were career lows for jordan in the finals so yeah but it, like like you said like you said as much as you can contain jordan so that's yeah. why that's why i laugh with jordan with it because like you know he's he said he had no problems because i mean 25 points per game is still a lot per game oh yeah for sure so like yeah no doubt about it i like I, I thought it was funny you know to a degree but at the same time you know as the documentary went on i'm like dude okay but like what do you mean like he shut you he guarded you and then y'all started losing games like you just go act like you let him win games on purpose like come on bruh what is that like <laughs> that's a that's a pretty big excuse i'm not gonna lie like no one would make an excuse not just lebron no one would make an excuse about that for anybody like imagine if kd said that like imagine if kd said that like people bro, would be we like don't, okay we don't bro. talk about kevin durant on this show unless we're trashing him which we are so screw kevin durant yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah you're right <laughs> but anyways that was i think that was entertaining and then it went into the 72 win season which i really like to watch because they were literally just so good like oh. dude if the warriors won one more game in the finals they'd be the winningest team of all time but they they blew a 3-1 lead which still just oh i love it but anyways two <laughs> but you know that was entertaining to watch and the jazz bro like like you said, like Carl Malone is, he's whack, but like those jazz Worse. teams were good, bro. Like, and I feel like John Stockton is low key disrespected too, but John Stockton was clutch. Like, yeah. like as far as like making a shot when he needed to, especially beating the Rockets who were at that time defending champs or not defending champs, but you know, still a we're dynasty champs. in the nineties, yeah. you know? Like, that's a huge shot to hit to send Hakeem home, right? And send them to their yep. first finals. So the Jazz, I think that was a really interesting matchup too, just because Scottie Pippen could not defend Carl. Like, yeah. he just wasn't big enough. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like I already said this, like, I really don't feel like there are a lot of players in the league that were big enough to guard Carl Malone like that. And Agile too, because Carl could shoot. Ooh. Yeah, like, like, don't get it wrong. Like, I'm, I feel like we have to say this more than once. He's still a terrible person. You know, like, he's he's the extremely worst. suspect. Yeah, literally like the, the worst. worst. <laughs> literally the worst, yes. 
but like just watching his highlights like this dude was like a ripped huge like fast like he wasn't lebron before lebron i'm not gonna say that like he was definitely like a dude <laughs> that could basically like, do whatever he wants he Ooh. looked like as whoa, whoa, <laughs> Sorry. whoa, whoa. <laughs> that that didn't come out right but yeah he really did do basically whatever he wanted there's nobody else that was physically gifted as he was i mean he's basically like as strong as shack but he could actually shoot mid-rangers and like he had like a hook and free throws i mean i'm pretty sure he's the all-time leader in free throws like all I'm, alone yeah i that's why he's like the second leading scorer of all time which makes his missed free throws even like funnier later on but <laughs> but yeah that that jazz team was really good and like i don't know watching this documentary kind of made me feel like like you know how everyone always brings up like that oh like in the 90s bro they were like plumbers and stuff and it's like no they weren't like these are world-class athletes in the 90s just as much in the 90s as i would say today and uh, yeah another thing to point that out is you know that the average height in the nba is the exact same now as it was then really yeah that's a little i don't know if it's surprising because like you got guys like Giannis and ben simmons who are literally like okay they're listed as 610 but they're definitely not 610 they're way taller than that then like guys like like seven footers are everywhere pretty much so i don't know that's interesting yeah so they're more athletic but i mean okay okay like i i'll change my stance on that like i used to say the whole plumber thing a lot i'll probably still stand by it for the 80s no cap but to a lesser degree for sure 90s though like they, there are some dudes out there like i mean it made sense that teams would play their best defender on michael jordan even if that's not their best player per se so i'll i'll give them credit for that you know and defense is definitely harder to judge in basketball than scoring and offense i would say so, yeah yeah okay yeah i mean i'm admitting uh my l's there sure but yeah i don't know I mean, what else is there to say? Like, he beat the Jazz more than once. He beat the Jazz, and then it was the Pacers series. Yes, with Reggie Miller. With Re Okay, Reggie Miller is, like, so disrespected, by the way. Like, yeah. I want to see a Reggie Miller documentary because, in my opinion, he may, he may be, like, the best to not win a championship. Isn't there a Reggie Miller 30 for 30? Is that just on the Pacers versus the Knicks? I think that's yeah. just the Pacers and Knicks. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, wait. Yeah, it is on Reggie Miller. It's called Winning Time, Miller versus the Knicks. Huh. Well, oh. then I'll have to give it a watch. So it's a really good watch. I, I, it was one of the first 30 for 30s I've ever watched. It's a great one. So, yeah, but that, I mean, this uh, documentary kind of, when they showed Reggie Miller, it reminded me of that. So, Well, because Reggie was cold, bro like yeah no like, doubt <laughs> no joke and they they took the like that might have been the end of the dynasty if the pacers won game seven the how well did the pacers do the next year do you know because like i remember thinking at the time watching that episode that 
if Jerry Krause for some reason kept the team, like everyone together, or did his best to keep the team together, I don't think that uh like that Bulls team would be able to beat the Pacers again in the playoffs. Um here, let me pull that up. Was that was my opinion. This that would be, be the 98-99, right? Yeah, Pacers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they saw Miller, Mullen, Rose. They saw the Davis brothers. Did they finish? And they went. Um... Was this a lock for the Pacers? Do what? Is this a lockout year for the Pacers? Because it said they went 33 and 17. Yeah, it must okay. have been. But I mean, they were still first in their division. Yeah. So, like. And then good. it looks like they lost. Yeah, they lost to the Knit, the Knicks. Yeah, Smolin was on that team. Yeah, they were loaded. Easy. Okay, I, I'm gonna be wait, honest. I, I think that the Pacers team was. Wait, what'd you say? Oh, Harrington was on the squad. Oh, he was a rookie. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, go it, on. it wasn't the Al Harrington that you knew, but I I think that that Pacers team talent wise was better than the team. If I'm being completely honest, the like, what team? All all around, like the '97-'98 Bulls team, or the Pacers were better than that Bulls team. Yeah. Okay. Overall. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, they had some guys. They have an interesting amount of uh, <laughs> of head coaches on that squad. Now that I'm looking at the actual roster for the '98-'99 team, like Fred Hoiberg, Mark Jackson, um. Is that it? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's still an interesting amount, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Jalen Rose was on the squad too, uh, but you know, Terry oh, Bird was the coach. I don't know. I just I didn't think that the pay or sorry that the Bulls would be able to beat that Pacers team. It came down to it the next year because they were a tough squad, you know. And I mean, yeah, it's just my opinion. Yeah, we'll never know how it played out because. As the documentary showed us with, uh, you know, that last year with the Bulls after they got through the Pacers and faced the Jazz again. Dude, I think it's it's like hard to beat the same team twice in a row. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, for sure. And I didn't know how crazy it was to play in Utah, but like, dog. <laughs> Those Utah fans are freaking nuts, dude. And I think it's because they don't have another sports team. Like, I honestly think that's why. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm. I agree. You know, I don't know. When I think of Utah Jazz fans, I just think of Denver Bronco fans. <laughs> I don't know so, what that's supposed to mean, but I, it's, I'm it, just, it doesn't mean anything. It's just you know, it's just the comparison. Uh, I'm not gonna read too much into that because I don't want to. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I think uh, I think the Jazz probably should have won this series, but and and I'm really sad that they didn't cover it. In, in the last dance, but when Carl Malone missed those two free throws, yeah. it, it was on a Sunday, and Scottie Pippen went up to him as he was shooting and said, the mailman don't deliver on Sundays, and then he bricked both of those free throws. Oh, <laughs> like, like Scottie Pippen, low-key, even with a broken back, was talking smack. It really like, made Scottie Pippen look weak in that last game, though. No cap. I don't know if they... To me, I thought that 
it was like, oh my gosh, like he's playing through like a messed up back. I wish that they gave like an actual injury analysis on it though. Like I could, I can see where yeah. you're coming from because oh, it's like, I mean, yeah, his, his back hurt is basically what they said. Because they said it was cramps, ironically. So all I could think of was like LeBron getting carried off, and I was like, wow. So basically, that's what that was. I, I don't know. Like, like I, it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. I guess I was like, okay, dude. Like, like you don't gotta make it seem like it was some like injury that didn't matter, you know. But I mean, he was definitely struggling out there. So respect to him. But it probably could have made him look a little bit better. Well, I think that yeah, as far as the way they explained it, it did come off a bit soft. But I was watching the game a lot too, and I oh. ended up. Uh, the next night after the last dance, they played that game six, like the whole thing. And like, oh. bro, he was making plays. Like he was getting blocks. He was getting tough rebounds. Like he was, Scotty Pippen was playing out of his mind that game. So like, maybe I'm a bit biased in how I didn't see it as much just because I watched like the actual game. And I was like, wow, he was bruising, you know? See, no, cause like I watched the game too. You know, but like in the documentary, they really didn't show any of that, <laughs> which was yeah. like, they're like, yeah, he was basically a decoy and didn't do anything on offense or defense. And I was like, dude, what, what the heck? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just felt like it was a little disrespectful. Like, come on, dude. Like, no, Michael Jordan's the goat. And I'll admit that, like, I would, uh, I will admit that openly now, but like, don't act like Scottie Pippen didn't play his role and was just running around with no stats, you know? Yeah. It, he didn't have oh. that Tony Snell game. You ever see that meme? Where it's like 28 minutes, yes. 0. 0. 0.0 says 0 rebounds. Yeah. That's, that's how it was. I don't know. For me, like, if you didn't watch that game, which I did eventually, like, watch it, like, it really came off as, like, that Tony Snell game where, like, he was just out there not doing anything. I was like, okay, that's a little disrespectful. Like, that's like if LeBron said that about Kevin Love. Like, yeah, Kevin Love had an injury in that game seven where they came back. So he really didn't do anything. And then just like leave out all the defensive plays Kevin Love had in that game seven, which was pretty clutch, not going to lie. So, and the rebounds. Uh, rebounds too. So I don't know. I just, Scotty, I feel like didn't feel great about it either, right? No, I I think that and there there is plenty of backlash from players afterwards yeah. on the whole thing. But okay, so Simon, you just said Jordan's the goat. Yes. I gotta ask you that if, if you are trying to join this club here, you have, there's one answer to this question. Was it a push off? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> not, not I, bro, effect, what do you? Bro, happened. Oh what do you mean? Gosh. What do you mean? Bro, he barely touched him, bro. They showed it in slow motion. Dude, yeah, it he looks less of a push off. You got to play it in real bro. time, though. You got to play it in real time. Like it's one of those like plays where like it looks different in slow motion than it does in real time. Bro, no, he barely touched him. He was already falling. Yeah, but that's, like, I'm not going to lie, dude. It's like Warriors fans saying that LeBron's block on Iguodala was a goaltend. Like, I wasn't. But I, I don't know, bro. Like, it kind of looked like it in real time. I'm just saying that, like. Well, I mean, you know? LeBron's block wasn't a goaltend. Yeah. It was a block. I was saying it's like that. 
know? Like, it looks different in real time than it does in slow motion. Yeah, but slow motion tells more of a story, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's momentum shifting. Like, bronze block is, like, momentum stopping. Uh, Michael Jordan's push-off is momentum shifting. Oh. Well. It's, like, more objective, I feel. Uh, I, as the representative of Jordan as the GOAT club, I'm sorry, I can't let you in. Okay, well, that's fine. I don't care. Luka's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be the GOAT pretty soon here. Well... All right. I guess, do you have any other reactions? I want to talk about, like, the reactions you saw from, like, people in the the documentary and stuff like that? I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. Like, I definitely had to take a break from watching The Last Dance because it, for me personally, it just got very overly biased and i can respect that because like i feel like they kind of acknowledge that at times you know at the same time it just became a little bit much and i feel like a lot of other people felt the same way to a degree you know except for like hardcore jordan fans who like will stand by him no matter what so i just like i i get people not feeling respected in this documentary because it is a Jordan documentary. Don't get it twisted. Like, in my opinion, this is definitely a Jordan documentary. So, oh, it definitely is. Yeah. So, because this is what it is. If it, was a, if it was a Bulls documentary, you wouldn't have the Scottie Pippen episode, the Steve Kerr episode, and the Dennis Rodman episode all sharing time with Jordan's story at the same time. So, Horace Grant would probably have been included more. So, bro. Horace Grant and BJ Armstrong were, they were good on the Bulls. Yeah. And they're good players in general. Yeah. They, they're good players in general, especially. But yeah. Uh, I don't know what the deal was with like pointing out Horace Grant as the whistleblower, but he wasn't happy about that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's framing, I mean, it's basically making Horace Grant look bad and like unleashing MJ fans on him. So, no, like, I don't know, man. Like, why why does everything have to be about Michael Jordan, though? Like, come on. <laughs> like, Horace Grant and BJ Armstrong, like, let's not get it twisted. They were really good players. They also both made all-star games after that. So, MJ was playing with a couple all-stars, putting that out there. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like they are kind of disrespected. Yeah, Horace Grant was a dog. Like, he got mad boards, and he also could, like, between him and Scotty, like, I mean, Jordan could dunk too, but those guys could yeah. yam. Like, jo- Jordan was interesting as far as, like, the shots he was creating and, like, his finishes around the basket with layups and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I totally get that. And Horace Grant was, as an all-around player, he was better than Dennis Rodman, so... Yeah, because he actually helped out on offense. Yeah. Granted, Dennis Rodman was a better rebounder in like such yeah. a way that it worked out more because Jordan was like, okay, I'll just shoot more. But Tony sure. Tony K definitely deserved his own episode, I think. And he didn't get it, really. Yeah, outside of them clowning on him all the time, which is just bullying. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> At Scott Morrell. <laughs> that, him too, yeah. Oh my gosh, there are a lot of good players that they should have 
or that I kind of wish they followed, but I get it. It was an MJ documentary. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I felt like the at the end of the tenth episode, I felt like that was a really good like ending spot. Like, if they went more than ten, I would have been like, ah, right, okay, like I'm over it for real. But I think this was a perfect amount. They covered a lot, which was interesting. There was a lot that I learned, and all around it was a really good documentary. Yeah, I didn't know that Phil Jackson was such a sentimental guy. Really? Why? I just, I don't know. I just, bro, I, I grew up watching Phil Jackson coach the Lakers, so I had to hate him. So, like, oh, okay. <laughs> I like, I'm not even going to cap. I did not like Kobe growing up or Pau Gasol or Phil Jackson because they were already, always beating the Nuggets. So, like, yeah. <laughs> that's no, just that's how it fair. Was. I mean, I always thought Phil Jackson was a chill guy because, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, Michael Jordan's a GOAT, but, like, he had a toxic personality at times for real. You know, and then Kobe, like, let's not get it twisted. He definitely was a little toxic at times, too. I think he would admit that as well, like, especially in his younger days. So, I mean, you kind of need well, somebody who could defuse the toxicity. I was going to say, even in, in his older days, especially when he had all that weren't that good. You know what? Like Kobe with the, with the younger Laker kids. Oh yeah, Jordan Clarkson. I don't so, know why I said Jordan Clarkson right away, but I mean it was know, definitely them. Well, it was definitely a lot on him. I think he was the one who he called out in practice and like, I'm not going to stop dogging. I'm not going to stop coming at you until you stop me. And he scored like for like ten minutes in a row. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need a guy like Phil Jackson who could like. And hold the toxicness in the locker room and make it work because that's a really hard thing to do because you know sometime down that line you're gonna get disrespected more than you want to be and you gotta like be extremely patient and put that aside which is why phil jackson is what makes him great because when you're handling that many personalities in a locker room you're bound to get disrespected personally as a coach um just handling all that stuff and so for phil to have the patience not only do it six times with MJ, do it five more times. Or when, sorry, not five more times. Uh, yeah, a couple. Yeah, five more times. Oh, five, really? Yeah, Kobe Phil Jackson has eleven rings, bro. Okay, yeah. So five more so, times with Kobe is insane. You know, that's a lot of patience and a lot of pride that you have to put away. That if I'm just being honest, like as a coach, like it's hard to deal with a toxic player that disrespects you. So. That's and that, the it makes it a too. Yeah, that too, you know, because it just makes it a toxic work environment either way. So, yeah, that's so why, props to Phil. That's why Phil is the GOAT coach of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's not, you know, the coach I would bottle my, you know, coaching uh strat or how should I say this strategy? Your coaching philosophy. Coaching philosophy, yeah, I definitely have a little bit more. If I was a basketball coach, maybe more of a Pat Riley type of philosophy. So there you go, bruh. <laughs> what do you mean? Anyways, uh, what about you? Ask comments, uh, reactions. Um, I think that does it for me on um on the last dance. Honestly, uh, Michael Jordan's the goat. Um, you know, I said my criticisms of him. You know, as far as he gambled. He, uh, it, it was a problem. He wasn't going to be an elite baseball star, which they definitely spun it that way. And, um, yep. yeah. 
and and he lost they lost that series to the Knicks just like they lost to the bad boy Pistons because with the Pistons they shot it straight you know they're like yeah the Pistons were just stronger than us and we went to the weight room until we beat them you know yeah for sure but with the Knicks it was like yeah Jordan was like gas i'm like bro he was scoring 31 points a game like <laughs> he wasn't that gassed yeah like bro if i'm gassed i'm putting up zero points a game like <laughs> if yeah. i'm out of shape so yeah oh uh, for sure all right it's like oh i was gonna say even like old tired mellow coming back from the trailblazer he was scoring like eight points a game for like a few games until he started scoring double digits like it's true that's I mean, what tired look, looks like yeah look scientifically it just doesn't add up in my opinion so there you go yeah and, and i have a degree in this so don't be like i'm just saying i have a degree i studied this for three years oh so there you go yeah anyways um i'm looking forward to i'm because there are uh Number of documentaries that are inspired off of this i feel um, or at least documentary ideas that are inspired off of this specifically a kobe one following his last season which wasn't all that great if i'm being honest but it's definitely something i want to see well if they did it in the same format where they went farewell tour and then yeah. they were jumping back and forth like that'd be sick you know especially going through the three p lakers oh my gosh those teams were would. insane. Oh, for sure. It would definitely take a lot of editing, though, because, like, don't have Kobe there to, like, you know, give transitions that make sense. You know what I mean? Between timelines, I guess. I mean, like how Michael Jordan did it. Yeah, true. But I bet they, A, have a lot of footage, and B, um, you know, th there's been documentaries made of people who have already passed, you know. Yeah. So, the, and there's plenty of teammates and coaches to choose from. I bet Phil Jackson uh, could fill in a lot of blanks. So, yeah, Shaq and Pau Gasol would do it. For, like, they'll do it for Kobe. So, no, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it could still be done. It's just there's a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot of editing, though. You know, gonna take a while for it to come out. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. Is that is that it? Did you have anything else, Dad? Nope. You can go ahead and tell us what the next topic will be. All right. So we're going to stick to basketball. It'll be our last segment. We're going to talk about Kyrie Irving and that whole controversy because I personally have some strong opinions, and I don't actually know what Cody's opinions are. So coming up next. Welcome back to the Cycle 365, episode 37, recorded on June 17th. Coming out on a happy Juneteenth, as we've said a couple times, Cycle 365 supports national holiday of Juneteenth. Yes. But anyways, speaking of being woke, there has been a little bit of controversy with the NBA's return amid some players, most notably Dwight Howard and even more notably Kyrie Irving who, if you don't know, is the vice president of the NBA Players Association. And he has some concerns about coming back for a variety of reasons, some stemming from, you know, uh, and some other players who think that 
it would take away from the BLM movement. And Kyrie suggested even starting their own league. And Simon has some thoughts on it that I I know that they're spicy, but I don't know what they are. So Simon, what are your thoughts on Kyrie and this whole not sure about coming back for basketball? Okay. Um. Look. <laughs> First off, no doubt about it, if basketball was to restart, it would take away from the movement. Just like, I mean, honestly, that's basically anything in life, though. Uh, because this isn't a movement that just happened. Uh, and I I, th- I know Kyrie Irving knows that. He shouldn't, as a, as an African-American, he should know that. You know, like, this thing has been around forever. And, like, it's not going to, like, go away just because, like, things go a little bit more back to normal. You know, it probably won't be as advertised as much, which is something that makes sense to me. And, yeah, you're probably right. It wouldn't. And I could respect that, you know. But season starts in two months, basically. Even still, like, it's June 19th. When this episode releases, it'll be June 19th. It's basically two months, you know, of not... Of like you know time for the you know for more protest and you know, policy changes and stuff like that and that's cool you know i'm for it for real like i am for it and hey uh, if you haven't went off and voted if oh it's your time go ahead and do that especially if you're in, if you're in colorado because that time's closing soon you know, for our uh, local representatives that is but uh, look man <laughs> i feel like kyrie irving this is just my theory. This is just my theory that I'm putting out there. So there's no real facts behind it. So I'm just throwing that out there right now. But I'm going on a hunch that he's really only doing this to just get back at LeBron. Um, I don't because LeBron, look, LeBron's done a lot. Even right now, like he's pushing like you know, policies to protect voting rights and stuff like that for people of color. And that's a lot, you know, like that's a really big deal. Like, I can't think of many athletes in general in history that are actively, like, you know, pushing the movement and have been. Like, this isn't something that LeBron just started doing all of a sudden. Like, nah, like this dude has been doing this for for his whole career. You know, like for, dang, he was drafted in 2003, 2004. So for over 15 years now. So, you know, obviously LeBron's older than Kyrie, so he has a bigger impact in general. I get that. But look, Kyrie, like... I'm just being honest, man. Like, say, like, it takes away from the movement, which is right. You don't actually, like, pose anything useful that would help the movement, though. And here's what I'm saying with that. Like, I'm sure he's went to protests and stuff like that. Like, cool. Um, But, I mean, I don't see him donating to anybody at all. And maybe, you know, he does it in private. That's cool, too. No, but I don't see him supporting policies as actively as LeBron and some other players have either. So there's that. And you know, he's threatening to not return, but that's not going to help the movement because you haven't given them any terms outside of the fact that, hey, I'm just not going to play. Like, you could say, I saw this, like Kendrick Perkins brought this up on some ESPN show. I forgot what it was. I was looking through like multiple opinions so like I could get informed. And so I'm not just like, you know, being totally opinionated on my own opinions, bias. But you know, he did say like, look, I mean, there's two months left, so you could literally say like, "Hey, NBA, here's here's the here's the terms for you know us, the players coming back. If all the cops, or sorry, if all the police departments in the cities of the you know of the 
teams in the NBA adopted these eight rules, which I'm pretty sure we linked last episode. Do you remember what those were called, Cody, so I could refer to them? Oh my gosh. It, um, I'd it was like the eight... Oh my gosh, I know what Hold it up. is. Let me, let me go through Before. my tabs here, because I have... Oh my gosh, the eight, the eight can't wait. So the eight can't wait. These are reforms that are basically projected to lower, uh, is it police brutality in most of these cities? And they're pretty reasonable, I would say. And they're very, they're very good. You know, if you haven't checked them out, check them out. I think they're reasonable. It's not like you're asking the police to do too much. And if you do think you're asking the police to do too much, they're public servants, so they should more should be expected out of them, anyways. So. Uh, so anyways, Kendrick Perkins was saying, so you could literally say like, I'm not going to come back until every city, you know, passes, uh, the eight can't wait policies. You know? I feel like that's something that the NBA would support. I know Adam Silver would support it because Adam Silver literally said he would not mind, you know, players sitting out, which is their choice. Uh, I just feel like Kyrie Irving's not. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like Kyrie Irving in general is a pretty suspect dude to be leading any movement. Like this dude's a flat earther. Let's not get that twisted. So at the same time, he's somebody who's known to be a little, a little, a little, you know, out out there. Like, I, like, I'm not. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying yeah, to disrespect no, no, no. him. He, he, no, he puts off that like woke vibe, but like woke for the sake of like having attention, kind of woke. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. follow I follow a meme page that basically makes fun of him all the time for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, basically that, you know, and it's just I don't know, like it's also, you know, like LeBron's obviously somebody who wants the NBA to come back and whatnot. And here, I'm not gonna go too deep into it. How about you tell me your opinions? I just feel like Kyrie might be a little bit misguided here. Well, Kyrie been misguided for like However long he's been in the league, low key. But, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. but I think that it's something that needs to be taken into consideration. But I think you have a good point that he needs to specify what needs to happen. And something that I like that I've been seeing and reading and listening to a lot, because you know, now is the time to be informed, because all the information in the world is at your fingertips, people. No excuse to be ignorant anymore. Um, oh. is like, you know, if the NBA comes back, A, it's a platform, and B, it's money, you know? Like, oh. like, yeah, a lot of these NBA players have money, but the more money they have, the more change they could push, right? So, <laughs> you know, I feel like, I feel like the NBA needs to come back, and the other sports are already gonna be back, you know? Like, like, dog, if like if basketball isn't back, hockey might become the most popular sport in America while while the playoffs uh, are. Like that's just cuz people are starving right now, all right, for sport. Yeah. Oh, for so, real. So like I don't think like bro, I bet I bet major league soccer ratings are going to be the highest that they've ever been. Because why would they not be, you know? So Oh, for sure. I feel like you're not is you're not like it's already going to be distracted and like people are already trying to distract and detract from the movement right now 
But like yeah. back in the 1960s when the civil rights movement was happening, life was still going on all over the place. But that was like four years of just change, you know? So the world doesn't stop for the movement. The movement pushes the world, right? And so oh. as, as a basketball player, and especially as a prominent basketball player, because, you know, Kyrie, he's had injuries, but like, you know, I feel he's still one of the, like, faces of the league, right? That's why he's the VP of the NBPA and, or the NBA PA, and that's why he's being heard right now, right? But it's yeah. like, instead of talking about how basketball is taken away from the movement, maybe talk about how basketball can give to the movement, you know? Yeah. I mean, but I'm not like, I'm not like attacking Kyrie, I guess. You know, it's just like, I understand where he's coming from. But you used a good word, misguided. He, I think he's just a little misguided. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like, look, Kyrie Irving. I mean, you gotta, you gotta bring in all the facts when it comes to Kyrie. Kyrie Irving got season-ending injury like months ago. So if he was to play, like, you know, with the current start time in July, like he would be eligible to play. So it's kind of, I'm not gonna lie. Like, these are just the facts, but it kind, like, from my point of view. It looks like that he's saying he's using the movement almost as an excuse to a degree to not make a hard decision. KD has also made that decision of not playing, even though he would definitely be healthy. And that might rub some teammates the wrong way. And look, I, I'm saying that because, look, dude, there, there are the things that came up about Kyrie Irving like wanting to start his own league. But the thing is, that would also take away from the movement as well. So I don't know what that's about. So it's just, honestly, it's just making him look more or less informed as time goes on. And make makes the movement look more divided, which is not what we need. You know? And I just... I mean, I don't know. I just don't agree. Like, I feel like you gotta, you gotta push something. You gotta push something of, uh, what's the word? Of, uh, you just gotta push some, some substance, you know? Like, you can't just demand change and not know how to go about it. Then that's how people, like, just basically brush you off. Because they will. If there's a way that they could brush you off, they will. And Kyrie Irving's giving a lot of people a reason to brush this off. Because it's causing people, especially on the right side, saying things like, well, you know, that just goes to show that these athletes aren't all together about Black Lives Matter. And this thing was never really about it. And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're all delusional anyways. And so that's the type of conversation that's going on on the right as of now because of Kyrie Irving acting the way he is. And that's not a good thing. So... I mean, am I wrong there, Cody? Like, what do you think? Um, I, I don't know. Cause I, I kind of see his, like, I think I, obviously I haven't talked to Kyrie Irving, but I think his point of view is like, you know, he says we can start our own league as in like talking about people of color and minorities and African-Americans specifically who make up like the largest demographic of NBA players. Like most of the league, like that they could do it and can make the money and they can run it. So I think that his, I think he's, he means well, 
You know, I don't think that okay. he's trying to be like cause harm in any way, but you know, he doesn't think that he's causing harm when he's saying that the earth is flat, right? Like so like, you know, ignorance <sighs> ignorance isn't an excuse, and that goes to Kyrie Irving as well. But you need to you need to come up with a plan, you know, as to as to what you're doing. And so I think that he needs to come up with a plan and then elaborate on it to maybe get his point across stronger in some way. No, for sure. I don't think he's being divisive on purpose. I'm more going after like his ignorance because that's not helping anything. You know? And I mean, like obviously, like as of now, like it's really not helping anything. Like people are talking about whether they're going to play or not, like, Look, here's the thing. <laughs> LeBron's play LeBron's gonna play. And if Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley and all these other people don't want to play, trust me, there are plenty of NBA players who would like to play alongside LeBron and win a ring with LeBron or against LeBron, whatever, you know. So like there's more of a chance that the NBA like goes on than stop. Like they're not gonna stop the NBA players from like not going to stop the NBA players from sitting out and the players sitting out isn't going to stop the NBA from happening so honestly at this point all that's like if they do sit out and they lose some money and like NBA doesn't happen and basically you know there's talks of the CBA like owners could definitely use that as leverage and like I don't think that's totally an unfair thing to do because basically if the NBA doesn't happen, then you know the whole NBA and this this goes this is super broad. Uh, uh, they lose a billion dollars collectively. That that billion dollars goes to pay a lot of things from players to teams to owners because like owners don't own teams to not make money. They gotta take more money out than they already planned. Then they're losing money on an investment, and that's not fair. So. That gives owners plenty of leverage to be like, all right, well, you know what? This is what we're going to do to hurt y'all because of what happened here. Because we gave y'all this. We didn't play the season. We didn't, you know, agree to not play the season. So you got to pay us back with money. You costed us money. That's what it's going to come down to. And so it would be interesting for Kyrie Irving to have a conversation with a John Morant or a Zion Williamson about how well that goes over with them. Because basically you're robbing young players of their bank and that's not okay because you're also taking away money that could go out to helping charities to helping you know people of color like communities african-american communities uh help push policies and i just don't see any upside to money not being there for people of color and look i mean it's not like i like, i'm sure he's not like an undercover like you know like radical right-wing agent who wants to cause this divisiveness on purpose it's still not a good look you know you, you bring up a lot of good points and i definitely see it from from where you're standing and yeah it's uh not a good look because like i said i mean if the cba goes down and like players just get paid naturally less because of the nba not happening like looking at contracts or players like zion and john morant getting affected because of it and i mean at this point like they're already rookies so they don't have much of a say so all you're doing is taking away their money 
taking away their hard work and not even giving them that chance to earn that money because of you know, what happens. And I, I mean, like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I feel like that's fair for the owners to do. It may not be, though, know, I guess morally right, but like, a business is a business. You gotta make money. You don't go into a business to lose money. So I, you know, that's just that's just how business works. You know what I mean? Regardless of color and whatnot. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm like super. <laughs> like, no, look, no, I, I, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, like I love the movement. I think Kyrie Irving has a great point. Like, yeah, it would take away from the movement, but if you're gonna make a statement like that, gotta make sure like it's a statement that like you know all NBA players could get behind, and it's something that causes actual change. I'm sure LeBron would be on board with not playing until those eight policies get passed. I feel like that's more than reasonable. So. Yeah, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. And, you know, I think it's weird that the players are, there's like subdivisions of players having meetings, you know? Yeah. Like, like as far as like the season return goes, like James Harden wasn't invited to the call. It's kind of weird, right? Really? Like, yeah, with, with like LeBron and stuff, like James Harden wasn't, hey. wasn't in that call. Not in LeBron's call or Kyrie's call? N- not in LeBron's call. Oh, weird okay yeah right so i don't know what's going on amongst like the players within the league but whatever they whatever choice they make i think they need to make it as a otherwise whatever they're doing is just isn't as strong yeah no for for sure no i agree yeah like now is not the time to be divisive because once that starts happening then this whole movement falls apart and we go back to normal and donald trump gets reelected, and that's it and we have four more years of this. Oh, don't say that, bro. Hey, don't it's reality. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah, I know. I just knock on wood. Knock on wood at least. Sheesh. I'm going to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's, look, that's, that's how high the stakes are. You know, like this movement, it's a great thing. It will be remembered in history. But we're still going to look like a bunch of clowns if policies that actually matter don't get passed on a. Uh, how should I say this on a wide basis? You know, you, you got to make change happen. You got to have a plan for it. So, you know, COVID-19 is still a thing. So I know you have time to plan and make something happen and actually use your brain. So do it. Oh my God. <laughs> what? What? You just said to use your brain. Yeah. But like, I mean, exactly. you're not, you're like, not capping. You're not capping. But oh my gosh. That's just sad. I mean, like what else are they doing right now? Like, most people are going to protest and like one way or another they're participating in this movement whether they're on the right side or the wrong side you know what the right side is so i'm just saying like that's what most people are doing like i guess some people have work and stuff but like the more prominent like millionaires and like you know the people with an actual platform to impact thousands or millions most people don't have things that are go- not as much things going on right now it prevents them from making a difference. Oh, so, what are you doing with your spare time? That's all I got to ask. And is it productive? So, I know what I'm doing with my spare time is productive. And what Cody's doing with his spare time is productive. So now it's up to, you know, the higher ups, the people with a much bigger influence. That's all I'm saying. There's only so Being much. Tough. There's only Being so tough, much. Our, there's only. 
so much that us, the people with no money, can do, bro. Like, yes. like there, there really is like, like a limit as to what we can accomplish in in contrast to rich people. So, yes. So, moral of the story: the moral of this entire podcast, pretty much, is go vote. Let something like this, like something that happened to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, which, by the way, her killers are still out there. Um, well, okay, at least as of June 17th, they are. But don't, Sign you know, the go petition, vote. And- call Next. the mayor, call the governor. There's plenty Everyone. of resources that you can access to do so. And, uh, yeah, be, be on the right side of history. And it, it's not political, like, we say vote, you know, and people are like, oh, that's politics. No, th- this is a human rights crisis that this entire planet is facing right now. And that's on the BLM front. That's on the LGBTQ plus front. That's on the Yemen front. If you haven't uh-huh. read anything about that, like an entire country is on the verge of extinction. People are being oh. denied health care based off of how they identify their gender and people are dying based on the color of their skin. This is still happening. It's the year 2020. And if you're standing by idly, then you've taken the side of the people who are denying healthcare, the racists, the transphobics, the homophobics, and you know, those that don't care about you know, other countries and uh, are are classist and racist. So do the right thing and Man, I hope that the NBA does the right thing and, you know, what whatever decision they make, I hope that it's informed and I hope that it's for the betterment of the world and not just the NBA, so. Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. <clears throat> sure. Oh, yeah, hey, notify. Make a difference. Go vote. Voting is how you make a difference, by the way. Like, sharing, like, you know, sharing stuff is important, but America is built on democracy no, that's how you make a difference. No, make sure I guarantee you. Go on. I was just gonna say, make sure that everyone you know can vote too. Like, yes. Put brother or sister out. Like, <clears throat> if they need I'm not. To. I'm not even gonna like. I I don't point fingers a whole bunch, but the red are trying to repress mail-in ballots. They're making people wait outside for hours and long lines covid where people can wait in line all day and still not vote because there's Uh outdated machines that it's still happening there's not change in the u.s not only because people aren't caring enough but also the people who do care they're not able to vote so vote for those who also probably can't vote yes Uh, no for sure so all the more the reason you know i like i said we're all in this together it doesn't just impact one group of people honestly it really does impact everyone what goes around comes around is all I'm going to say. Goes around comes around. So think about it, you know? I mean, that's and true for it. this episode. It's It started off political. We talked about the last dance and then we ended on a... Well, uh, like I said, it's not really political. It's a human rights thing. But you know what I'm saying. I, I better uh, Our better listeners are going to be a little confused by this sandwich we got here. We, we got to put... We got to put last dance reaction and then they click in on it and they listen to what the heck more of this or like yes more of this all of this all the time 
something like that. We'll we'll figure it out. But <laughs> anyways, do you have any last comments before I close up the podcast? I think I'm good. Um, happy Juneteenth once again. Can't say it enough because you know it's only not been said for like 150 years. So Bro. there's lots of catching up to do, just like everything else. Yeah. So just quick side note: What's crazy is that like they didn't know that some people didn't actually learn about Juneteenth back in texas i definitely did i didn't learn about it in colorado mind you though but in texas like it was mentioned a handful of times for sure simon i learned about juneteenth in that multiculturalism class with you no cap really yep i was freshman year of college yeah (laughs) yeah anyways should say a lot as is happy juneteenth uh, show us some love on social media. Share this episode. Share, actually, honestly, all of our episodes. The last couple of episodes have been pretty good. I'm not even going to lie. You know, the Black Lives Matter one. Um, the one following that one. I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot it. The next official cycle one, episode 36. And then the third miniseries episode with Jasmine Hughes from Alvernia. Okay, I guess she's not from Alvernia yet. But she's an Alvernia University hockey commit. He gave us some really good insight on uh, what I guess privilege and stuff like that being a woman and being in a pretty much male dominated sport. So that's a great listen. Take a look at that or take a listen to that. Share it, do all that stuff. And uh, yeah. Oh, next week, the next mini series episode, mini series episode four is going to be on discrimination in youth sports. That one applies to everything that i've been talking about for the last couple weeks i'm not even gonna get like oh my gosh i gotta get myself together i'm not even gonna <laughs> of the mini series is probably the most emotional like straining episode that i've we've ever recorded here at the cycle i feel like we've went through some pretty deep stuff but like i share my experiences which are pretty deep in itself garza a fellow UNC uh, graduate shares some of his experiences as a Latino. And then Jake Schaefer, who, who is a Caucasian, but, you know, he shared his experiences um, with discrimination. Well, you know, from the eyes of someone who sees it in uh, other places. So, yeah, check out episode four. It should be launching on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Peace.